everyone. Welcome to the first special episode of Part of Your World. We're here to discuss films that aren't considered part of the quote-unquote Disney canon and yet have some animation in them. Joining me for this first edition is Donovan. Uh, hello. Hello. I'm happy to be here. And for the very first time on the show, Mr. Dan Toland. Where, where am I? What's happening? Who's this? <laughs> Why, it's Will and Dave, of course. <laughs> Will. Dave, yes. Yes, of course. Hello. <laughs> Keep this big going as, as long as you feel comfortable. I know. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. Glad I've never had a road trip this stressful, although I have, I have a bit of a story about that. So, so, Dan, as I always ask, normally I'd ask, what is your history with the Disney animated films? But in this case, I'm going to ask, what is your history with Disney animation, and in particular, the Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy side of it? I mean, I'm a person who has lived in, in the world for, you know, uh, I mean, like anybody, really. I mean, you just kind of absorb Disney through osmosis. It's, it's just an omnipresent fact of life. It's like wallpaper of your childhood, you know. Um, you're just always surrounded by it. Um, like, there's no, like, like crowning moment of original, oh, my goodness, what is this? Like, there's no discovery. It's just there. You know, it's just... You know, there's a Mickey Mouse doll that just kind of shows up in your crib without, you know, anybody actually ordering it, right? Um, but, you know, growing up, I mean, Mickey, Mickey, I mean, Mickey's fine. You know, let's, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bag on Mickey. But growing up, I mean, I love Donald and Goofy both um, because they were actually funny. <laughs> There's some really golden uh, uh, Donald Duck cartoons that I've discovered as I've gotten older. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Donald is is the just absolutely insane, and and and, and I'm here for it. Totally. Um, and I mean, anytime that dis you know that that Goofy wants to teach me how to do something, I'm pretty much down. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it can be pronounced sheing, um, which is something <laughs> that I learned. Yeah, I learned from Goofy. Catastrophe. Yeah, his his uh, I don't think you'll call him malapropisms, but just like his like pronunciation of words is uh, pretty inspired for his character. I mean, absolutely. But I'm talking about just like like those like the classic 40s and 50s shorts where you know it's just how to and then whatever. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I specifically remember the one with him at just just at home uh, with the infamous mailman scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they were just again because it's not something that Disney was known for was just big stupid pratfalls and gags, but that's what Goofy Goofy is a pratfall delivery system. You know, that's that's what he was put on Earth to do. Cool. And how how did you end up seeing this in theaters? Because you mentioned that on an episode of uh, Channel Thirty Seven. I didn't actually see it in theaters because I don't think oh. anybody saw it in theaters. Um, <laughs> No, I again, I, I, I will get into this when we get into this, but this was the result of a very, um, a very rowdy late night experience. Uh, you know, just, just friends that had not slept in over 48 hours mm. deciding at three o'clock in the morning that we had to watch Goofy movie right now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah, as you do, and we'll definitely talk about it when we when we get to certain certain points. 
Okay, Donovan, what is your history with this film and why this particular film? Because you pushed very hard for me to co- for us to cover this on the show. <laughs> Not by complaining, but but why why this one? Well, um, uh, staving off the discussion of it being like you know uh, an iconic um, artifact of Black culture, uh, specifically um, being a millennial group in the '90s, like I would have seen like the Disney cartoon block that they had going on in the late '80s, early '90s. So I would have seen Goof Troop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this was a, a kind of natural conclusion slash extension of that. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but like, I I have vivid memories of checking it out from Blockbuster, my brother and I, and the movie was just like hypnotic. Um, of course, when you're younger, you're not terribly critical of a lot of things, but I just remember, I I remember really feeling excited and, and enjoying a lot of the musical numbers and the humor and kind of getting swept up in a lot of the emotion. Um, and and I, I can I recall that when I, when I was rewatching it, I was, yeah, this is definitely how I felt back then, and seeing it with adult eyes now, uh, I think it sticks to landing in that way. Um, so it was always really a goofy movie was always one of those movies that like you really enjoyed as a kid, but I don't know if I really like because there's something between my brother and I, so I don't know if I really like brought it up at like parties or whatever, but the culture had begun to change around it uh, about ten years ago. I I remember kind of like making a sly reference to it uh, when I was in college. And someone kind of turned around and was like, are you quoting a Goofy movie? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> there was um, a shared appreciation for that. And stuff like that kind of kept happening as the years went on. Um, to the point where now we're like, uh, like when people start kind of, and, and we can kind of get through this throughout, but like a, a, I think a giant theme and probably like like the, the theme many people my age trying to carry away from it is that like this is a really um, – memorable film and that like it really kind of has it has its uh gloved hands on uh a certain pulse of um just i guess you know like like pete at one point kind of references the mtv generation and it does so in a really like non-pandering and kind of like um felt reality kind of way um and there's a lot of really um really apparent uh uh, 90s black culture in here you know much of it don't belongs with Powerline, but it kind of just feels like a movie that like reflects um young experiences that, with our, that are generally universal but it also lends itself towards um uh appreciation from, from a black audience that has become a lot louder in the last several years I mean, that's not the only reason that that i personally engage with it but i think it is like you know many people's reasons why it is like the definition of a cult favorite and um it in many ways i think i think it's the better disney movie that came out in 1995 <laughs> regards <laughs> that's, that's not hard yeah <laughs> yeah so i didn't see it in theater i definitely saw it on vhs um i don't remember any marketing for it because again it was basically sandwiched between lion king and pocahontas and then overshadowed further by toy story that year um and actually, I hadn't seen any Goof Troop until the past hour and a half. I watched the first two episodes, just for extra research. I did that um, too, yeah. Um, there's actually, the the pilot episode is Goofy and Max moving to the town that um, Pete's family is. And they actually have a very similar chaotic, like, runaway car chase through the canyon to what we get in this film. So if, like the end, so if this was like the end of the series, it, it would be like a way of capping it off. Um but the, my understanding is this is actually inspired by a road trip that Jeffrey Katzenberg had with his own daughter, um, and is very loosely a, a 
spinoff of Groove Troop because Pete's wife and daughter are nowhere to be seen. Um, it must have been a hell of a divorce. <laughs> they're very, they're, they're very conspicuously absent. Yeah. Um, I've seen like, a few like production news, but I'm saying is that it's not something that the studio ever had much faith in though. It had a much lower budget than their major projects, like 18 million dollars versus Lion King's 45 million. And I also find ironic that a lot of it was filmed at Disney's foreign studios in France and Australia and Canada, given just given how American this film is, like how mm-hmm. it, it depicts our country. So I, I feel like there might be this is a bit of satire given like how it's realized. Um, but, th- but this blows my mind remarkably. If you listen to past episodes, Dan, you know that we, I'm not, me and uh, some of the people recorded, we're not big fans of Jeffrey Katzenberg, but apparently he mm-hmm. wanted Bill Farmer to do a normal, goofy, a normal voice rather than his goofy voice. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, and he did record it like for a week or two before Mike Eisner and Roy Disney stepped in and overruled. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Mutt, thankfully. Um, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, although there are apparently other problems also, like there was a blown out pixel on one of the key monitors used to, to make the film. Um, and they had to do reshoots and the film was released as pushed back from Thanksgiving to April the next year. Um, so it had, had a lot going against it, but, um, and yet, and yet here we said talking about it today. Dan, did you say that you had seen any of Goof Troop, the show? No, I had absolutely seen Goof Troop. Um, I was, I mean, I was in college when that show was on, but for some reason, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't remember ever going, oh my God, four thirty time for Goof Troop, but <laughs> <Sure>. like, <laughs> but you know, I was, you know, I was in college, but I was still at home, and I had younger brothers, and and so they would always, you know, Disney afternoon was, our, you know, regular staple. And so I, I had certainly seen it and it like it was one of those shows that was like, you know, I would not probably sit here and, you know, wonder what should I turn on? Oh, hey, you know, Goof Troop's on. But if it was on, I'd watch it, you know. <laughs> um, and I remember feeling like some of it was actually like pretty funny, like unlike a lot of like like I was not I was never able to, you know, <laughs> I was never able to get get into Quack Pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. who is that for yeah um it's like you had a perfectly good ducktales disney you don't True. need this <laughs> but um but that yeah i mean goof Troop was actually funny and a lot of that really did come from the interplay between goofy and pete right yeah um, yeah pete's almost kind of like the main character in the first episode because like the tension yeah. is like him being so kind of kind of manic about goofy's you know craziness yeah like yeah, i mean i understand not wanting to live next to goofy i get that <laughs> but um you know nothing that he's doing is coming close to you my guy right um but i also again i legit remember that first episode especially being really funny um it's been a while since i've seen it but i i do definitely remember thinking that that it was really funny so <laughs> I'll say yeah, that, no, I'm like, definitely uh, familiar with, with this show, like to the point that, like, when, like, you know, what's 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 this new voice on Max? <laughs> you know, oh. like, I'm 20 years old. I shouldn't give a shit, but you know, <laughs> they've, got, they've got Max wrong. So hey. that's that's funny because, like, because of this, I think that like um, a lot of people associate Jason Marsden with Max, but like, mm-hmm. 
Dana Hill, who voiced Max in the cartoon, was like was like way longer, like for seventy episodes, mm-hmm. um, which aired like in the, the span of four months. I read it was like from like September to like December of ninety two. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine they how they, syndicated cartoons would generally happen in sixty five episode blocks, mm-hmm. which gave you thirteen weeks of five episodes a day. And then they would just run that forever. Those same 65 episodes forever. And if they got a second season, then they probably only make like 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that initial, like they just make a whole bunch of them so that they could like run them and they, it would just do a cycle of four times a year. So. And essentially, because like, because they, they kind of like cranked out so many episodes in a short time span, I, my, my initial, before I started researching that, like I just imagined, oh yeah, you know, Gootroop aired over a couple of years, and then the big finale would have been this. No, this was like three years after the series, like, you know, I mean, there was probably in reruns for years, but like, it, mm-hmm. there was no new Max and Goofy content until this. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's a big uh, time skip. Yeah, because I mean, when you're a kid, you'll watch the same episodes over and over again forever. Yes, you know. <laughs> Again, no, no, uh, no uh, critical evaluation until you're a little bit older. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else, or should we get going? I, I know I'm, I'm probably thinking about when we're going to go. I don't think there's anything else for me. Yeah, I think I think we're, I think we're, I think we're ready to to really get into the meat of a goofy movie. <laughs> dive until this uh this vacation yeah. <laughs> going somewhere pop sure hello rooney cool right, have a good time dad if you're gonna be gone more than a month drop me a line but max this isn't just my vacation it's a vacation with me and my best buddy oh donald duck no silly with you are you okay maxi what, what did you say? That's right. A vacation, son. We'll spend some real quality time together. I think I'm going to be sick. Hey, got a present for you. No, stop. You look just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. Wait, I saved the best for last. <laughs> it's been handed down from goof to goof to goof. And now... It's yours, son. A stick? No, silly. A fishing pole. Fishing? We're going fishing? Yup, just like my dad and me did. Two best buddies fishing on Lake Destiny. Away from it all. I don't want to be away from it all, Dad. I like it all. Hey, look, Maxie, we're using the same map me and my dad used. We'll take the same route and make the same stops and see the same sights. Uh. But that trip would take weeks, Dad. Exactly. Getting there's half the fun. Put the map away, Dad. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you. Careful, son. You'll wrinkle my past. (laughs) And our future. What the map says, Max, we will follow. That's very mystical and everything, Dad, but, uh... Seriously, there's this party I have to oh, go to. there'll See, be plenty of time for parties when you're older, Maxie. Why, when I was your age, I'd never even been invited to a party. Look at me now. Great, Dad. Hop in, Maxie. Mm. All right, then. 
Guess I'll just have to go all alone. That's all. Just sit in the boat all alone. Talk to myself all alone. I guess so. Oh, come on. Off you. No, Dad. Just hop right in there. No. Come on, Maxie. Go for it. Get stuck. And we're ready for takeoff. Set for adventure, Maxie. Why are you doing this to me, Dad? Because I don't want you to end up in the electric chair. Electric chair? What are you... I'm not giving up on you, son. Together, we're gonna work this out. Work this out? But, Dad... No buts about it, Maxie boy. Your old pop knows best. But... Okay, so for this episode, as I said, Donovan's gonna be our... Na- our synopsis navigator and head which way, as you mm-hmm. should say. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the floor is yours, sir. I the promise stage. not to change the map, or will I? <laughs> uh, yeah, a goofy movie. Uh, uh, so we begin with the title and Goofy's trademark, um, screaming, uh, as the title hits the screen, and this gets into a very interesting, uh, opening visual with very in my opinion, lovely animated fields of, of hay. And you're hearing this sort of like um, melodic voice saying, Max. And then an older Max Goof just pops up from, from, from below and looks at the screen and kind of looks far on. And this cuts to uh, a, a young dog girl um, <laughs> with red hair who is rather lovely drawn. And she like blows a dandelion at him. And it's this very like quasi it's not a music video but it's very very romantic dreamlike sequence where she kind of floats towards him and it's very romantic and max is dressed in white like it's a backstreet boys music video <laughs> and they're both uh laughing and she closes in for a kiss but all of a sudden uh clouds show up and and the sun goes away and she's horror stricken because max has these horrifying giant capped book teeth that he can barely speak out of and uh, as this nightmarish scenario continues and she starts backing away screaming, his fingers elongate and his feet grow too big that they don't fit in his shoes. And his, like, uh, muzzle like kind of, like, yeah. like grows out into, like, a, a, a familiar dog shape. And he basically uh, mutates into the horrifying image of Goofy. <laughs> uh, and just as this scene is ending, uh, Goofy does... He, the Max Goofy creature does the classic, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we uh, smash cut to uh, the real Max with his normal teeth waking up in in his room, shirtless but still wearing his gloves. <laughs> um, and he realizes he's, he's just had a nightmare. Uh, and he's waking up to his his Mickey Mouse phone ringing and his uh-huh. best friend PJ saying, "Hey, where are you? You're an hour late to to school." And he realizes that that he's overslept. His his alarm clock is wrong. So he's rushing off, and as he's trying to get dressed and talking and getting tied up by the phone, uh, eagle-eyed viewers will see that there's a lot of like uh, images of this power line character all over his room, kind of foreshadowing the the traumatic events of the film. <laughs> um, so before he leaves for school, he's interrupted by the titular Goofy. Goofy's dressed up in uh, a towel and towel over his hair, <laughs> um, already uh, you know. Uh, breaking sacred ginger laws uh, with the, <laughs> the vacuum. And we kind of establish, however friendly they got along in a goof troop, 
this is much more of a traditional and very popular in the 90s uh, uh, tit for tat between father and teenage son. Um, Max is a, a lot more dismissive of Goofy, you know, and Goofy is definitely Goofy. I mean, it's, he's not a character that you can really talk straight to, but Max is okay. Yeah, dad, whatever. See you later. You know, Goofy's kind of messing up his room and this kind of starts off the dynamic that will carry on for much of the film that Max is generally negative towards his dad. And that's interesting to see. I guess, once again, if you had seen the cartoon, that was, you know, there was some embarrassment. That was not always the case. But here, it's very much like Max is older. He's a teenager. He does not like uh, his dad showing affection out in public, um, especially because his dad uh, hands him his lunch and kisses him on the face as kids are walking by laughing. And as Max begins his sojourn off to school, this begins the um, the first song in this in this uh, you know this, this this animated Disney film, which is required to have songs in the '90s. Uh, After today, I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, in which he is joined in the chorus by various uh, kids his own age, uh, probably people go to go to his school, and it's the last day before summer vacation, so everyone's saying like, what they're going to be doing after today. Um, they're going to be like, you know, hanging around. They're going to be like, you know, hanging out to the mall, reading comics. And this also involves various people of the, of the neighboring town, like older women sitting on the bench and stuff like that. And we also, I mean, this is also a chance for the animators to kind of show off their, um, uh, their contempt for modern culture. There's a lot of like teenager stereotypes. Um, and I think they're pretty funny. Like you have like, you know, like the jock and the, the hot chick and the twins and uh, the nerds reading uh, Weird Planet comics. Truckies. <laughs> which I thought, which I thought was pretty cool. I, I like the, the design of those comics. And during this, we see um, that Max really pines for uh, the girl in his dream, Roxanne. You know, this this, um, this red-headed uh, chipmunk woman. I mean, we're not going to really get into the animalistic <laughs> no. stuff of it because I don't want to. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, like she's, she's like the, the cute girl of his dreams in school. And as this as this uh, musical sequence wraps up, uh, he ends up at the top of the bleachers where he kind of like fall, trips and falls down and everyone laughs at him. And Max is not like he's not like the big loser of the school, but he's definitely kind of on the lower end of the social the social ladder. But he's helped by Roxanne, who happens to be there. And once he realizes that that it's that's her who's in front of him, he kind of panics um, and he even like, you know, um, unintentionally does the goofy laugh and because he does that he just completely freaks out and runs away leaving her all alone and she i mean, I mean she if you've not seen this movie before i think um you could be perceptive enough to see that she at least kind of likes him too but she doesn't know how insecure he is so you know it's that kind of mutual affection that's that's perceived as unrequited and, and it's you know feels awfully nostalgic doesn't it? <laughs> i remember being 14 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still like this part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, whenever, whenever you guys want. So, so I was going to ask just both of you, um, starting with Dan, what do you think of the the opening nightmare and excuse me, the opening number and just this introduction? Yeah. Well, first of all, in general, I want to say that these sequences have been very well animated, um, like much better animated than other. Um, Disney projects kind of on this level have been mm-hmm. right. Like it's not Lion King, but it's also not return of Jafar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, like there's, there's some, some care being put into the work here and it looks, and it looks pretty nice. 
the opening nightmare um i have very mixed feelings about the opening nightmare because again it looks wonderful it looks really really good um it's definitely got uh, you know there's some callbacks here to um like classic mgm musicals here like specifically i'm thinking of like singing in the rain like the the dance between gene kelly and sid charisse you know um but it's just like a lot of floating and and drifting through the air and, and all that and it looks really nice and it's super well animated but i don't know how hard i'm supposed to um like i'm very uncomfortable with the way that they're presenting this this pubescent dog girl <laughs> like they, they're going hard and i understand that this is from max's perspective yeah but it's also like okay guys Come on. <laughs> I I don't need to be put on a list right now for watching <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know the phrases, but there is, we've kind of discussed with other Disney movies, at least starting with like Robin Hood, there is a sort of air of furriness about it. Yes, yeah, there's a, there's a through line, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, going back to as, you know, as far back as they've been making anthropomorphic animal cartoons, this has been a thing. It's not, this is not new, but um, like these I don't think they've actually come out and said specifically how old they are, but they're not supposed to be more than like 14 or 15. Yeah. And um, like, again, I, I get that it's from Max's perspective, but also if she's looking directly into the camera and making eyes at me, <laughs> I don't want to feel anything. <laughs> I, know. I, think, I, think, I think it's like, like, like the way her leg is drawn specifically yes. that like, it's like, huh? Huh? Yeah, this was some you know some animators' favorite day of work was was done on this day, right? <laughs> like this is somebody really taking the time and 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 enjoying their work, and I get that you do you, um, but it the result of that means that it's it's a really well realized sequence, um, yeah. and the the whole thing was like where Max is is transforming into Goofy, is uh it's, it's a clever use of a very tired trope, you know, um, it, it, it looks really cool and it's presented well. I liked it a lot. Um, the, the, the opening music number I thought was, was a pretty good sequence. Again, very well animated, it told you a lot about Max and it told you a lot about kind of the hit, like the story that we're, that we're in. Um, you know, even, you know, for people that are familiar with goof troop we're sort of seeing that but now we're in a different a different environment a familiar environment but a very different one from you know before where max was exceptionally buddy buddy with his dad you know exactly you know uh you know all of a sudden we're we're seeing max and max is being 14 max is being a, a teenage boy um you know, he's he's he got a hundred things going on and his dad is at the forefront of his mind. It's very easy to it's easy to sympathize with Max because, you know, of course his dad is embarrassing. Because everybody's dad is embarrassing, but his dad is fucking goofy. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like there is an extent to which Max's uh anguish is kind of uh justified <laughs> yeah he was never annoying to me in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah like 
again, we'll get into it as things come along. Like, like more often than not, Max is objectively wrong in the way that he's behaving, but you get it. Mm-hmm. It's totally understandable why he's doing the things that he's doing, uh, at least where Goofy is concerned. Um, so anyway, so I thought that this this whole sequence really sold us, you know, the fact that, okay, this is where we're at. This is what's going on between Max and Goofy. This is kind of where Max is in the social hierarchy of his school. Um, you know, we've got PJ. We like PJ. Everybody likes PJ. Um, it's Rob Paulson. Yeah. It's Rob Paulson. You can't not like PJ. Plus, um, more, well, knowing who his dad is, you got to sympathize with the kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's like it's like you know, let's, let's take Pete, but you know, yeah, put a little Carl Weezer in there, and uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't go wrong with that, right? Um. So yeah, I mean, and also I thought that it it, it works really well at letting us know that Roxanne is not like an unattainable angel goddess, you know, she's another kid and she does in fact clearly like him back, even if he can't see that because, you know, again, he's 14 and everything is horrible all the time when you're 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that like, some, I didn't click that until I was older that like the way they rendered her, it was, these are just a bunch of kids. There's no, you know, this, this world isn't really, Max's perspective, but like he, he's so insecure that like you can see his perspective. But it is just a, there's a bunch of kids trying to you know just trying to make it through school, which I yeah. really thought it wasn't really nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot to say, but um, well, somewhat embarrassing. But I was a coward as a kid, so the first time, very first time I saw this, the nightmare freaked me out. Uh, like, how old were you? Six or seven, I think. Like, like very young but um but but um not as traumatizing as the possum bark but we'll get to that in a bit we will get to that um (laughs) but yeah there's a great opening number it's like both sets the scene but is also it i mean this is very different from a lot of the disney films coming out at the time and yet it the musical structure is kind of similar because this is max's i want song it is it's like bells at the beginning of beauty and the beast it establishes the scene as well as the main character and what what they're going through? Um, yeah, it reminded me of a, a Quasimodo song, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We, um, anything else before we continue from here? Um, I, 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 agree, I agree with Dan that like, um, what makes I think what makes Maxan or Maxan Roxanne um, a nice love interest for our teenage main character is that like, she is just a kid. So the way that she was rendered in the, in the dream sequence, they could have, they, you know, they should have had a little bit more discipline and restraint, but generally <laughs> speaking, like, I think that was a, that was really cool. And I think that like, I also, I mean, I also like the song. I think the song is, is like one of the funnier songs because of all the different characters and how they, and how they kind of like, you know, uh, have fun with a lot of the, the different tropes and cliches and archetypes. Like the two, like, you know, goth girls in the bus with like the bus full of cheerleaders and stuff it's like every visual gag felt like they were really enjoying uh like you know utilizing this song mm-hmm. but um if we uh go on 
after Max like runs off from Roxanne, leaving her alone, we cut to inside the locker room where he meets PJ, and they're kind of referencing that like he's going to be doing this some crazy thing, and then they're um, then they're greeted by uh, another one of their friends, Bobby, who <laughs> kind of sounds a lot like Polly Shore, which is convenient because he is voiced by Polly Shore. <laughs> um, you know, he talks like this and. <laughs> I I remember Paulie Shore from the nineties, but like I wasn't. What was what was his like animal nickname? Like the, the weasel. The weasel and like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was I was all of uh, no knowledgeable about that, but like I actually remember remember liking this character as quite a bit as a kid, and I still like him now. Um, but he seemed like such like a a, a freak of nature with his like cheese and stuff. I I kind of like how criminalize they kind of like like talk about this scheme is like yeah dude fundage okay here's your payment and it's like this cheese whiz and taking like you know like the the was it the av technology all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. we're being kind of vague about what's what's about to happen but there's this assembly on the last day of school um and we see the class president who's also you know we'll later find out it's also roxanne's uh best friend stacy who is drawn exactly like her character from Blossom. Because <laughs> she's voiced by um, Jenna Von Oy. Um, which I actually, I mean, I actually found out today that like, like that's, that was an actress from, from Blossom. I just thought that they just were doing a Blossom reference. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle of her speech, she's uh, heckled by an admirer. <laughs> yo, yo, Stacey! Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby! Um... <laughs> uh, which has always made me laugh. Two things about this. One, that's Dante Bosco. Yep. Yeah. Prince Zuko. Yeah. Uh, Rufio himself. Um, and also, that's a reference to Jodeci. <laughs> yeah, what? The, the, uh, the Jodeci is an, is an R&B group from the 90s, and that was that was a lyric from one of their songs. <laughs> so, again, kind of just showing, like, you know, like, just how... To me, like again, like when you when you kind of look at the Disney Renaissance and you see like Aladdin and Beauty of the Beast and Tarzan kind of stuff, they're all very, very distinct period pieces. So having a, less, a bit more of a modern bit here, even though this is very much the '90s, I I, I, I still like how how much I buy it. Like, you know, just just like just horny nerds, just like just like yelling at like the kind of dorky looking class president. I just, I just find it a lot of fun. Um, but she ignores them and she introduces um, the principal. Principal Mazer, Mazer, mm-hmm. uh, who's voiced by Wally Shawn, who I think yes. does a really good, really good job. Uh, this kind of like Saved by the Bell esque principal, <laughs> um, and he's kind of like being a big nerd, saying, "Hey, everyone! All the students always ask me what I can, what can I do to to best utilize my time in summer? Not hang out with my friends or go to the movies or do things that humans would do. How can I do things that nerds would do? How about science <laughs> slumber parties?" <laughs> yeah, and like the the, the 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 kids are like, oh god, can you believe this? Um, the Joey Lawrence looking uh, animal teen approaches Roxanne, saying, "Hey, about Stacy's party." Because Stacy had announced that she's having a a party to watch the the Powerline concert, and Max behind the curtain at the on on the stage of the auditorium sees this, and he is in a Powerline costume, like you know, he's all decked out with yellow and like he's like you know gauntlets and stuff and um, big shades, and What's about to happen is that, like, basically he's going to do, like, an impromptu, uh, spontaneous Powerline music video and display it on the screen, um, which is a really audacious idea. 
for a kid in love. But, you know, I can't say I wouldn't do that, but I wouldn't have done that. Um, for some reason, there's a trap door in the, in the auditorium, which they uh, sick on the principal. Uh, he survives, but with him out of the way, they start this music video where Max lip syncs the Powerline uh, song, Stand Out. Um, and he, you know, they, they have all these, like, these, these visual effects and such. He's like splits in all different corners of the screen and stuff, but he trips among the cables and kind of like rips through the screen and falls through the curtains and is like live, like in front of the entire school. And instead of freaking out, like everyone's cheering him on and he sees Roxanne dead in the sights. So he just, he just goes for it. He struts up, he struts up to her, up, uh, up towards her. He continues to, to, to lip sync the song. You know, he's dancing, he moonwalks, he gets in her face. Um, it's, 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 it's actually a really cool sequence. And, uh, PJ and Bobby hook him up to a, a line. He kind of starts flying around the audience. Uh, you know, he, he makes a basket and he kind of closes in on Roxanne's hands. Like, like it was a Michelangelo painting when all of a sudden the, the music stops and the effects stop and Mazer is back and he rips off his shades, revealing him to be Max and everyone's shocked. Um, so they're in big trouble, although he has made a very positive impression on, on the class. Um, dude, you want to comment on this before we get into the goofy scene? The song is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, I mean, both of the power, the Tevin Campbell power line songs are excellent, like, are such earworms, but I love the song in particular. Um, Absolutely. Well, it's, it's kind of funny that like you have the this super cool character singing about how I, w- I want to make impression upon you, and he does it like really easily. <laughs> <laughs> I love the detail of Roxanne like like twisting her hair, and her friend kind of looks at her as like, uh huh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun for me. Did you have any thoughts on it, Dan? Yeah, I always love scenes where teenagers uh, try to impress the the person that they're interested in by doing these enormous spectacle things that in real life would basically make sure that you would never, ever, ever be able to show your face in that school again afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like in real life, if somebody was doing this, PJ would, would just be sitting there. Please don't do this thing you're about to do. I'm begging you, please don't do this. thing. <laughs> well, it kind of was at the beginning because he he's terrified of his dad. Yeah. But no, I mean, because you know, because under like a normal reaction to seeing Max doing this thing would be like just like that's the most humiliating thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like no one will ever forget this, Max. <laughs> You're going to be the guy that put on a powerline costume and ran around on stage for the rest of your life. You're going to have to move. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like pre Star Wars kid or whatever. And they are still going to know who you are when it, whenever you get there. <laughs> um, but it's a very common thing for, for, for these types of movies. And it's always really fun to see, you know, um, you know <laughs> carefully controlled hijinks, <laughs> you know, family friendly shenanigans. <laughs> I think it's cool that like he actually pulls it off. Like that is that is honestly surprising because usually you know the trope is that these things are a disaster. Yeah, but in this case, it worked. Like he he did like he wasn't trying to be like the coolest kid in the school, but like that was like a byproduct of like his like love stricken ambitions and like I don't know it's 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 like a, it's almost like a hero moment, mm-hmm. even though it was such a such a 
crazy idea. Right. And plus, you get Wally Shawn. I mean, Wally Shawn's amazing. <laughs> you know, he plays. He knows exactly what he's there to do, and they just put the ball on the tee, and he just knocks it right off. Absolutely. You know. Yo, all, all, all the voices, I think, I'll, I'll just, you know, I don't mm. think we'll fight about how great they are. Like, whether, whether they are, like, you know, like, like celebrity voices or not, they're, they're really, really well applied here. Mm, agreed. Yeah, I thought that was – this is, this is I think, one of my top two favorite sequences in the movie, which is actually saying quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so after that, uh, we cut to see what Goofy's up to. And – in this movie, he's working um, as a like family photographer, taking pictures of babies and little kids and such. And because Goofy's Goofy, like he does actually have a way with kids. He, in a sense, has a way with children, um, which is nice to see. Even though it, it kind of involves like in an um, um, unintentional self harm, actually swallowing a squeak toy. Um, and he's also working with Big Pete, uh, which is an interesting evolution in their in their relationship. Um, so while Big Pete's having his sort of like, you know, bullheaded shenanigans, chasing after a little girl and such, um, uh, I, was about to, I was about to come back to the phone call, but actually we go back to the – outside the principal's office, and Max is just fretting like, oh, I've I made a fool of myself. I'm in big trouble. Um, well, I, I, well I, I guess we say that here we – like the clash of parenting styles comes up or where Goofy starts to feel at least peer pressure from Pete about – how to deal with this kid? Yes, that's true. Yeah, he says we're going we're going to go on this this camping trip because uh, PJ respects me so much. He's like, oh, Max would never go for that. He's like, that's your problem, goof. You know? So they, he sets up the conflict that like, um, right away, like you know, because you're there's something wrong with the kid who doesn't want to hang out with his parents. Starting to become very clear where his wife and daughter are. <laughs> I know. I I think it's, there's no imagination that like, there was a horrifying divorce. In, in yeah, <laughs> a parent trap style one also. Exactly, exactly. Because because Big Pete he was like the villain of like the old school cartoons, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he, he was like way he back. Is, he is the original Disney villain. He's older. He's been around longer than Mickey Mouse, and almost invariably is a villain in no matter what he's in. Was he in the um? What, what was the original character like the rabbit? Oswald, I think he was in Oswald the Lucky Rabbit or in the Alice shorts. He started out as a bear and then he became a cat when Mickey was introduced and obviously in the Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. And he's not, this film doesn't have like a main villain, but he is, well, he he wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. But he is, he's like an old original Ubi Works character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was he? I don't. I, I, I actually have not seen a lot of the old, old uh, Goofy stuff in a while. Was he like ever like Goofy's enemy? I think he's more of Mickey's enemy, and I know he. I think yeah. he was in Ducktales also, um, and like and like stuff like the Mickey, the Disney Christmas Carol. He's the the ghost of Christmas future, and <laughs> in Prince of the Popper, he's like the villain. That and is that he's voiced by Arthur Burkhart there. Right here, mm-hmm. and also in the Goof Troop, he's a uh, Jim Cummings. Uh, yeah, it was uh, amazing. I love, I love his rendition of Pete. He was going wild in Goof Troop. <laughs> <That was the best. laughs> um, but you're right. Yeah, that steps up like kind of the difference between uh, Pete's concept of how a father and son relationship should be, and where Goofy believes he and Max stand. So we go back to the school, and hey, PJ just got yelled at by the principal, and he's like, "Oh, my dad's going to kill me," <laughs> and. Um, uh, they bring in Bobby, who's just a, a space cadet. He's just like you know, 
So he's out of the way. Um, and while Max is sulking, Stacy and Roxanne kind of like walk by him. And uh, <laughs> like Stacy encourages uh, Roxanne, who's also shy, to talk to Max. And he kind of like reacts and she drops her books. And they have this very traditional meet cute. They touch hands accidentally. She says, you know, I actually I really liked your dance. And he's like, wow, really? And so, you know, she mentioned Stacy's party to see the Powerline concert. And uh, Max has the, the courage. To say, hey, actually, I would I was hoping, kind of hoping sort of if you wanted to go with me. But if you don't want it, I totally understand. And she's like, I can kind of hope kind of was sort of thinking, yes. So he against all odds because of his, you know, his crippling insecurity. He actually pulls this off and uh, they, they got a little date going. So um, Stacy pulls her out of there before either one of them can ruin it. And Max is just beside himself. You know, he's he's actually uh Recalling what uh, Goofy was doing earlier about you know doing the mambo and is dancing with the secretary, um, which by the time that Mazer and Bobby leave the principal's office, they, they, they witness this and principal just kind of sees this as further you know evidence of his gang activity or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> we go to um, the Goofy's uh, office. Uh, do, 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 sorry, you might have had something. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Something I hadn't picked up on until rewatching it for, for this was how awkward like. Just how awkward Roxanne was in that one. I love like how she like actually bumps into the edge of the door, and how she's just as shy as Max is. Um, I like this that, that, that Stacy has to like kind of encourage her, like like talk. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, you get the idea that she wouldn't have done that if, if Stacy hadn't been there. Yeah, I think she says um, she's a line like you know, like see, I told you, men are easy to to talk to. Is Jenna Von Oya giving her a little charisma buff? Yeah, yeah. How old would she have been in 1995? Well, would Blossom have even been on by 1995? Was oh, that yeah. still going on? Oh, uh, oh, oh uh, was it still on at that point? I don't know. I don't know. In 95. I, I, I remember that at the edge of my memories because I was, that was, I was pretty young when that, was, when that show was out. Huh. But uh, I, I just I like how just upfront they are with like you know yeah this is where she comes from. It's it's like The Simpsons where Mark Hamill's brought on to just be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Like yeah, whatever. Um, but we cut to uh, back, back to Goofy, and um, he gets a call from the principal, which is done in this very like dramatic, like um, you know, this almost evil lighting. Uh, upon which we see like a like, like Christian pointed this out to me. Like he has like these like torturous paddles in his office. <laughs> like, did you know Dan? Did you see these like spiked paddles? Like, what the fuck? I missed like, that. Yeah, he's got like a number of. It's almost like some sort of college hazing thing, but one of them has like spikes on. It. It's like, what is this? Um, but yeah, he's like kind of hunched over and spying on Max through the like the blinds, and he calls Goofy. And he's, oh, is Max in, in? Is he hurt? No, he's in trouble. Dressed <laughs> like a gang member, <laughs> which is genuinely funny. And um, he's being as histrionic as humanly possible, which just strikes fear in Goofy's heart. Um, and says, if you don't, I don't know how you're, you're raising your son, but if you don't. Uh, straighten him out. He's going straight to the electric chair, <laughs> uh, which is like you know, which 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 is like an arrow, which a dagger through Goofy's heart. He's just like, what am I going to do? And uh, he he turns his head and sees uh, the blue light special in the in the the building of, I guess a bunch of like like little little fishing toys, and he's the the inspiration to take Max on a fishing trip, which he 
excitedly tells uh, Pete and just he just like leaves leaves work. He just runs out of the building saying, "I'm going I'm going on fishing." Apparently, right this second. Quick question: What what is a blue light special? Is that a reference to something else? That is a reference. Uh, Kmart specifically um, would do a thing where like they would just kind of randomly announce things where it's like, you know, it, you know, for the next half hour, we're having a blue light special on X, Y, Z, like some product. Like ah. if you ran over and put that thing in your cart right now and bought it, you would get a sale. It, like it was on sale for like the next hour or so. Ah, okay. Cause like the, the way it was shot and d- done, it, it... It felt like it might have been an homage to something as well, but um, yeah, it's a heavenly inspiration mm-hmm. from the corporate blue light special. Um, so uh, we cut to like the end of the school, and the crowd is congratulating Max on his um, his his just daring daring uh, performance, sticking it to the man. Yeah. <laughs> I like I, I like like uh, the like the Valley Girl like like kind of like hitting on Max and then like Stacy just comes from, from like stage left you know forget it girl he's Roxanne's um, and everyone's just like cheering him on which is like the complete opposite of how the day started and so um, he's he, you know he's feeling himself so he like just gets into a reprise of uh, Standout and just like charges back home you know he's throwing through other people it's kind of like, it's kind of like um a little bit of uh, Ferris Bueller. Kind of go, going through people's um, backyards and stuff. Saves the life of a baby. I'm not surprised that they got away with that gag. <laughs> the baby with the fork reaching for the, uh, the electrical outlet. What, what Didn't that happen at the beginning of Roger Rabbit? Like, didn't Baby Herman nearly do that? Maybe, baby that Herman like a, did so many things. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was like an adult movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a quick gag, but like, it, it was, I, thought, I thought it was a pretty... I thought it was a pretty um, Strong stuff for a, a, a Disney film for kids, but nevertheless, I, I still enjoyed it. I absolutely agree. That is the sort of thing that Disney generally would sense, like self censor that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, and, I, and I'll continue to say that for some other stuff. There, um, part of the reason why I like this movie is that it feels that there, this one does not have a lot of uh, cuffs on it. Um, mm-hmm. After the the edit of Thomas Washington's version, of course. But um, <laughs> we uh, cut to uh, Max going back to his house as Goofy is kind of carrying some luggage out into the car. And Max is like, hey, Dad, you taking a trip? Oh, I sure am. Well, you know, see you later. <laughs> if you're gone for more than a month, drop me a line. Oh, Max, I'm going with my best buddy. Oh, uh, who? Donald Duck? Which is, which is a funny line. Mm-hmm. No, you. And then, like, this this hits Max like a freight train. And he just passes <laughs> out. <laughs> Love the doom-laden organ music. Yeah, I think it's like a like a, a bell. <laughs> um, so when he comes to Goofy, explains that you're going on a fishing trip with me for several weeks, and Max is like, I think I'm going to be sick. Uh, and he 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 fits Max into like this sort of life preserver thing for cartoonish effect, and kind of like you know argue, argues that you know that you know we're going to go on this father and son trip. It's the same trip that I went on with with my dad. He references dad quite a bit in this, although we don't know um, where his where he is. Um, he even tries the whole reverse psychology. Oh, I guess I'll go all alone, but it doesn't work because Max does not give a shit. Um, <laughs> so he basically they they eventually fight, and he just like kind of just uh, ties Max up into the car. Um, Max is like, "Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> um, and uh, Goofy says, "I don't want to have you end up in the electric chair." He's just, he's just not explaining exactly why, which happens later on. So. Um, Max eventually understands that he's screwed, 
And as they kind of drive off, he realizes that he has to, at the very least, tell Roxanne that he's not going to be able to pick her up to the party. So he takes control of the wheel and ends up in, at uh, Roxanne's house. Clearly, he's memorized the, the school directory. Um, <laughs> so he kind of goes right up. And, and I, th- I think – I actually appreciate his um, – because I don't know what the hell I would have done if I was his age. Uh, I appreciate his honesty just, just to kind of tell her right away. And he rings the doorbell and is greeted by this just um, uh, frightening bouncer of a bulldog-looking uh, guy and a wife beater in boxers, which is which is her father, uh, who doesn't even say anything, just kind of like grumbles at him. But Roxanne comes from out and kind of like guides him back in as though he, he's her pet. <laughs> and um, she is also, you know, she's happy and also nervous to see him, uh, which, which he kind of picks up on. But they're, they're just very attracted towards each other. And she says, I'm really excited about the party. And he's like, yeah, that's why I came. I, I can't take you. And that is all she needed to hear to just be completely depressed. She doesn't really listen to everything else he says for a little bit. Like, and he's trying to explain, no, I honestly, this is my dad. He's taking me on this dumb trip. And like, I honestly want to go. Like, Nothing on earth would make me not go with you. And then she kind of just like says offhandedly, I'm sure I'll find someone else. And like, it's, it's like a, you know, that's a red flag in his brain. He's like, oh, I can't let her get away. So as she kind of sulks back into her house, he's like, no, you understand. I'm going to the Byerline concert and I'll be up on stage. And she's like, your dad's driving you halfway around the country to go to a Powerline concert? Yes, because he and Powerline used to be friends and, and they kind of came up together. And then like Goofy says from, from behind the wheel, you know, let's, you know, let's get the show on the road, which is kind of like, you know, a coincidence of, of words. So that kind of helps her to under you know to buy this lie, and um, and she says, "Wow, that's really incredible." And he and he, I think he takes her hand. Like, yeah, like I wouldn't have broken our date if it wasn't for something incredible. So uh, she kisses him on the cheek, which puts him in a daze. And she says, "Bye, Max. I will see you when you get back, and I will look for you uh, on stage at the concert." And that brings him back down to earth. And he's like, "I'm in deep sludge." <laughs> um, as he kind of like, like saunters back, and uh, this is when the film really gets going. Good thing Wikipedia didn't exist then, so you could check Powerline's history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I was I often was a coward, and it would be much easier to kind of like throw out little white lies, mm-hmm. and then to kind of face reality and to tell the truth. Now I would not have done done this because it's impossible and and kind of no. reckless. But, like, I do appreciate Max just really not, you know, not wanting to lose what he's got. And, again, like, like he does, you know, it's the wrong thing to do. But I, I buy it because he's so young. And, and they're, you, you can kind of see just how just sort of emotionally vulnerable um, he and Roxanne are. So, like, however I felt, I, however I received it as, as a kid, I, I, I appreciate it even more now as an adult. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not admirable but it's completely understandable um again it's it's the sort of thing that you know you see on on sitcoms all the time right like i absolutely could see like peter brady doing this exact same thing (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know tale as old as time (laughs) um but like on the one hand, like you're watching this rationally going like, this is the dumbest. No, what are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Pete, even, Pete even says that it's dumb. Yeah. yeah. 
but like at the same time you go you know remember being a teenager and and not wanting to lose this this thing that you're you're wanting so badly and in the moment you're like okay i told this absolutely ridiculous thing but that sounds like a friday max problem (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) you know i've managed to prevent her from going forth with the you know her life for the next few days <laughs> I'll, fig- I'll figure the rest out when we get there i'll land this plane when we get there <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh what about you christian no no a lot to say other than that's quite a whopper of a lie i wouldn't i wouldn't have the balls to do to do that <sighs> golly um although um i do have a, qu- a question because like i, I the power. The, this trip is supposed to take place, like I think, over the course of several weeks. And there's a, there's like a lot of like there's a montage later on, mm-hmm. um, which I imagine like the Powerline concert is like set a couple weeks from 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 then. But I thought that they said that Stacy's party was like in a couple of nights or whatever, or they were get, they were getting ready to do this like like really soon. Yeah, I think they said I think they said it was like like that weekend, like Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, like like really like like, like within like forty eight hours or whatever. So. Maybe Goofy's just one of those dads that packs a whole lot of shit into a a family road trip. He he has a lot of like 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 disposable um, luggage because like it always gets destroyed and, and lost and shot out of a window and stuff. And considering that basically he's walked away from his job for several days, <laughs> <laughs> he ran out screaming. He is not concerned about replacing any of his stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, his his priorities are um. Very, very insular. Mm-hmm. I like the bit where, like, uh, I think Max, like, you know, hang on, you party animal, you, and Goofy just, like, smiles. <laughs> um, so this is when the trip begins, and uh, for the next several minutes, Max is just sullen and kind of rebellious and, like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm and I'm stuck with my father. My father is Goofy, so what am I going to do? <laughs> um, he tries to, like, you know, put on some rock music and, and – Goofy's like, oh, you want to sing a song, do you? And so he he plays this this hideously, <laughs> out of t- like like I've, I've got high hopes, and it's in like uh, this I is love this... that he has an eight an eight track deck in his car. Yeah, of course he has an eight track deck in his car. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> oh my God! It's nineteen ninety five for God's sake. Like, I, I, I think by that time, whenever I was using cassettes, I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. Like, bruh. Um, they, they fight over the over the music, and it destroys the, the track. And uh, Goofy tr- tries to kind of like conjure up his own song because he's seeing all these these sound effects from their from their driving. And it's where they sing the "I'm on, you know, We're on the Open Road song, which is another song kind of like brought in by uh, various other characters kind of passing by. Um, you have people playing the piano. Um, you have, you know, like like tow trucks, uh, uh, a prison truck. Um, the singing uh, corpse. Yeah, the zombie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the crazy old lady. Um, my favorite gag is, is uh, them passing by uh, Mickey and, and Donald on the road. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Um, and the entire time, Max is just like saying, like, you know, like, I, I'd rather do anything but do this. And it's it's okay. Um, it's not my favorite song. I don't dislike it, but like it, it kind of does rank a little lower compared to the other songs for me in the film. Yeah, as a song, it's fine. Mm-hmm. 
the sequence is really good though. The yeah. um like as a piece, like the as an animated sequence, it's it's really, really good. The song is fine. It's it's perfectly serviceable. It does the job it's there to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that like for a film that like they didn't have much faith in and they didn't put much money in, like there aren't there aren't not a lot of this feels tossed off. So like, you know, it it meets a requisite bar of quality. So yeah, I I agree. It's 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 okay. But like and and, and the animation is really cool. Yeah, it is like a, like a big over the top musical number, like all something in Oliver or something like that. Yeah, this is the big end of Act One number, the big showstopper. Go get your drinks and then you know. We'll come be back. right back. Yeah. What was the bit with the guy like coming down from the parachute? I feel like that was a reference to something. Yeah, I don't know. The, the one who's the, the the groom like joining the bride from the parachute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like some sort of like a oblique Simpsons esque reference to some specific specific film. One I, did, I didn't know so the time is what, there's a guy in a trunk with cement shoes on, like a well dressed yeah. man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't know that. that shit's dark, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, I, again, I, I I appreciate this being a, a much more. I, I want to chime up with some for from different phrases than just like grounded because you know these are like you know. It's more grown up, but I don't know if more mature is the right word. Like, it's a, I don't know if it actually is, but it's like a solid PG movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels just more frank with some stuff. Um, and I understand that, like, they, they intended on actually giving Goofy character development. They didn't want him to just be just be Goofy. And he they didn't change his character, but they had it showed that his character runs deeper than just the sort of absent-minded hick uh, in the in the in the Mickey universe. Um, so they end up at their first stop, which is this, like, it's like Lester's Possum, um, Lester's Possum Park, Possum Park, which is like, like, like this on this viewing, I was like, this is one of the most like effed up, (laughs) like, like pathetically. It's also like, it's a combination of of, like really stupid and like old and run down and, and almost kind of scary. It's like, what, what fun can one derive from this? And I love that this is like a Hey Arnold pit where they park and like the little girl is just like just bawling. No, I don't want to go. And, like they're kind of going to, like the jaws of this like cement possum. <laughs> <It's> like, <what? laughs> um, but you know, Goofy, I, he he clearly sees the one from his childhood. So he just like, there's nothing. Don't worry, none of this is weird. So he just pulls Max out and they uh, sit down um, at this at this ancient decrepit uh, animatronic puppet show. Um, which the audience just about goes along with. Uh, the, 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 the robots break down, and the, and the little girl who's crying from outside is like smiling at him with her like kind of kind of creepy looking like you know uh, piano key teeth because she's missing some teeth. And you know, it, I'm I'm kind of like with Max. I'm watching this like I can't believe that he took him here. <laughs> um, and 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 again, and one of the more blatant examples of like you know the kind of tone this film has. Max says. My life is a living. And Hello, like, little buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is again, like, like, yes, it's the, it's a, it's a Disney film, but it's a '90s Disney film where they were doing more stuff like that in the movies, or they were being a little bit more, just a little bit, a little bit more, a, I don't know, edgy or something. Um, but it's always, always, always welcome. And I love this bit where uh, the guy in the possum costume tries to give him a hug and. <laughs> That's just, 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 he just hauls off and smacks him in the face. I love the sound effect too. 
Pete. And then, he's, and then the, the, the kids drag him off screen. Yeah, yeah, he's never seen it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, I will say, this is the scene right here. Okay. Um, so, my, my, the first time I, I saw this movie, okay, I was, God, I, I was probably 20 years old. I was living on my own by this point, you know. Old enough that I was living on my own, but young enough that I'm really, you know, I'm not an adult yet, really, you know. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, this was over the weekend where we hadn't, like, I, you know, I was with a bunch of friends, like a big, like a big group of friends, and we were just kind of knocking around the city, doing all kinds of stuff. And it gets to the point where, like, none of us have slept in a while, and you know where you're at that point where it's like 3 a.m. And you're like, you know what? If we can make it to 6 a.m., we'll go. We can go and get pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna do for the next three hours? So we all we went, we got back to my apartment, and for some reason, we had the goofy. We had a goofy movie, <laughs> and we decide we're gonna sit and watch the goofy movie. And we have not slept in almost 48 hours at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the scene that absolutely fucking broke us. <laughs> we, everybody in that room, we were crying, laughing at this scene. Just, we could not, we had to pause the movie because we couldn't breathe from laughing so hard. When that little girl, like, smiled her big smile with all her missing teeth and we just, <laughs> like, one girl literally could not control her bladder we were all <laughs> laughing that hard just absolutely beside ourselves with how insane this fucking scene was <laughs> and then you know when 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 the guy in the possum suit kind of gets dragged off by all these kids <laughs> you know to to you know to to a fate that will will never will never work <laughs> <up. laughs> just this whole entire horrifying sequence that starts with them entering through the opossum's jaws and ending <laughs> with our mascot being just 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 going off to his doom. <laughs> All of us, we were just absolutely in like just oh god, we could not breathe. We could not breathe. We were laughing so hard. And you know, and we were None of us were, we weren't on anything. We weren't, you know, nobody drinking. We were just, we were just that tired. Delirious. Just delirious. Everything was funny. Everything is funny at three in the morning, you know, <laughs> but like that scene along with, with, with one that, that comes later. And we were convinced that we had just witnessed the second coming of just, just comedy genius. Absolutely. I don't know how they did it. But we are seeing the birth of a brand new comedy art form here, guys. <laughs> Mark where you were, <laughs> because we have just seen something truly special. And then we watched it a couple weeks later, and like, oh yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassment porn. Yeah, kind of. But like, oh yeah, this this that that is the way to watch the scene. And I will say, watching it again today, I I I chuckled more than once during this this sequence it was this this is a pretty well realized sequence oh yeah 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 I, th I think that like um i think what i didn't appreciate when i was younger was just like like it's a real mix of like 
embarrassment also like like as you're kind of illustrating horror like what is up with like the design of like the entrance and like (laughs) it's like it's like it sucks but it's also scary (laughs) it's like we've hired hieronymus bosch to design our theme park yeah (laughs) (laughs) which incidentally i would go to hieronymus bosch theme park excellent yeah (laughs) well this is like uh this was directed by by kevin lima Mm -hmm. uh who did tarzan um later on and I mean, it, uh, you know, I mean, not to say that like one person doesn't have multitudes, but like it's, it's totally different. But I think it's a mass. It's a really unique tone this whole bit because it's because it's like the most embarrassing thing that happens in the film, I think. Well, I was gonna bring up, I've I've never been to a Disney theme park, but this is sort of like a, a parody or like a nightmarish version of one. And um, Kevin Lee also did Enchanted, where it's sort of homaging but also making fun of the whole D- Disney princess trope. So I think that this kind of feels like an early version of that. Like well, taking... that's like it, it, it's it's like you, know, you see this animatronic band, and if you're like objectively looking at like the Showtime Pizza Band or some shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like these animatronic, like if you're like really paying attention, you're watching this thing the entire time, going, "They're going to eat me!" Like <laughs> this, this is not this is not okay. <laughs> and I really felt like. This was a very knowing send up of a joke that would become very familiar later on. Like, oh, Chuck E. Cheese is so creepy and weird. No, it really is creepy and weird. We just, for some reason, not decided to acknowledge that yet. But we're doing this like like when Five Nights at Freddy's just came out. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. You know, Um, but hey, a goofy movie got there first. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's like. It's not like Simpsons esque, but like it's it's a really really like shrewd look at like this sort of this this kind of like I don't know like it's it's Americana in a way, but like it's just yeah, but this 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 sucks like it's it 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 it's it's really good it is it is really good the bit where um he smacks the guy <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, it's just like Max Max has had enough and and he said not to touch you <laughs> that that always that always that always gets me. Did you see this um, when, when you guys were up up late, late at night? Was this ni- like ninety six? Like it would have been like when it was first out on video, or like years later? It was. It would have been ninety. Yeah, ninety five, ninety six. Like like right, like a very early. Like honestly, the only reason it probably would have been in my apartment is because we had been to. This would have been probably before Blockbuster, but whatever the nineteen ninety five version of Blockbuster was. Uh, mm. And hey, a goofy movie. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why not. Let's not forget that a, a, a sharp-toothed possum goes up Max's pants. Yes, no horror of that. God, with like the, the like like the, the possum like corpse as a hat and stuff. And oh yeah. god, that is amazing! <laughs> that is amazing! <laughs> <laughs> oh, those hats are everything. Oh yeah, I I I really was like very unsympathetic towards Goofy towards this. It's like, dude, this is like abysmal. Like, what is this? this is Torture. Like, I'm so glad you have fond memories of this place, Goofy. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. <laughs> but look at what you're doing right now. <laughs> kind of fuck you for this. Like, like, what is this place? <laughs> like, 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 I I actually had had dim memories of this part. So like when. 
Max, like, when Max decides to finally, like, leave and, like, you know, he tries to hitchhike when it's raining and stuff like that, mm-hmm. by that point, I was like, I don't remember being, I don't remember this whole sequence being this cringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is traumatizing. Again, we're gonna get, we're getting back to the thing where Max is being kind of an asshole to his dad. He is, Which, yeah. again, you know, teenage boys, or, t- or teenagers in general, mm-hmm. go through these almost always go through these phases. You know, you're embarrassed by your parents. And I get that. At the same time, Goofy is legitimately a hopeless dipshit. (laughs) Like, you know, know, Max kind of has a point to some degree. He's still not reacting well. He's not acting in a way that's, you know, that he should be. But you also, you do kind of get it. Like, this place is horrifying in every possible measurable way <laughs> and you get all these yokels around there like you know like like, even, like ones oh look it's i forget what that kid calls goofy but like these dark are, Ju- dark and dark jr yeah and he, and he looks like he just came from an insane asylum it's just like <laughs> who the hell are they <laughs> just again like this really fun attention to detail they did not sleep on the sequence whatsoever oh my other thing did you notice who voiced the um the puppet show practitioner or whatever? The or the animatronic presenter? Oh, Pat Buttram? Yeah. This is yeah. his last role. Yeah. A, I'm not who was who was he? He was in a bunch of Disney films and uh, I mean he's the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, for example. Oh, okay. And he's the yeah, he's the cowboy actor who yeah. had a very distinctive speaking voice. Yeah. Um and he's also in Back to the Future Three as one of the old cowboys who won't stand up to Biff. And they and they blessed him with this this dignified scene. <laughs> well, I also remember him too. He was one of the one of Eddie Valiant's bullets. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. Yeah. Nice. Because again, like you hear that voice, you know exactly who it is. He was yeah yeah no yeah very 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 distinctive voice, especially especially for films around that time. Mm. So uh, yeah, so uh, Max has has. He's had all he can stand. He can stand no more. Uh, so he he leaves the air. He gets away from Goofy. He tries to like kind of like thumb it towards wherever, just away from Goofy. Goofy's like, "Oh, what's wrong?" And like Max just like, "No, let's just get out of here." And starts. I mean, kind of kind of is, is beginning to be disrespectful to Goofy in a way that like Goofy probably shouldn't take, but he is because he's like you know like get in the car or whatever. Um, kind of sulking, and they kind of drive off. And uh, they leave on a final shot of that awful looking hat in the, in the, in the foreground. <laughs> and it does look like a dead possum. Um, at this point, we kind of cut to them at kind of a, a fishing area. And um, Goofy is trying to he's, – he's setting up camp. He's trying to get to Max. Max is still down the dumps. And this is where uh, we see this overpriced – maybe not overpriced, but you know, this it's kind of over the top – uh, RV with all the trimmings. It's got like its own, you know, pool and bowling situ- uh, situation going on, and the basketball court and all this kind of stuff show up, uh, nearly run Goofy over. Um, and of course, it's big. It belongs to Big Pete, uh, who was established to have a lot of really cool stuff in the show. The show is not explicitly referenced in this movie, which I think is kind of kind of interesting. But like they do carry on the theme that like Pete has like the latest and like you know, um, just. Uh, dad gear or whatever, and you know this this idea of like you know a, a real father and son trip, 
is um, soiled by all this sort of like, you know, outside man's, you know, technology. And PJ is inside kind of cleaning the floors, but he's listening to power line to where Max finds him. And this is where uh, – and, and PJ tells Max, everyone knows about your promise to Max uh, to Roxanne. Uh, he try to tell Maxine. It's the X's that get me. Um, <laughs> that you told her that you're going to be on stage with Powerline, and that's awesome. And he's like, well, there's only one person who doesn't know about that, my dad. And up on top of the RV, uh, Big Pete is asking Goofy how things are going, and um, – Goofy says, you know, I try and try, but he just he's pushing further and further. And then uh, Big P says, listen, like, you know, you, you got to make sure that he's under your thumb. And to exemplify that, as he is bowling, he has one, you know, one pin is left standing and he kind of orders his son to get up and kick it down and pretend that he made a strike, which is just loserous behavior. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, and it's exemplary of how uh, – PJ and how his relationship is with PJ. He even like tries to like, give him a high five, but does a whole like you know psych thing. And PJ <laughs> looks really sad. And I was like, dude, <laughs> he made a strike. He makes all the best strikes. Yeah. <laughs> He's at the <laughs> yes, He's at the perfect strike. <laughs> yes, <laughs> matching physiques too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, basically, like, like this is like, you know, look at how I'm uh, carrying on with my son, Goofy. And so while uh, Max wants to eat dinner with them, um, Goofy really wanted them to fish. And so Goofy does his best angry dad impression. He says, Maximilian, you know, uh, uh, we're going out to fish right now. And, like, he, you know, Goofy's not being scared or whatever, but he is kind of being firm. And, and Max kind of just, like, you know, sulks and kind of, like, walks off. Kind of gives him a dirty look back, but like that's sort of like Goofy trying to be like Big Pete, and so they go down and they're in their fishing gear, and Goofy wants to show him uh, the perfect cast, which involves these sort of like OTT kind of like you know body language twists and turns, like like two o'clock, ten o'clock, you know. Um, Pot of yeah, I'm a little teapot or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just silly stuff. And kind of like shoots the fishing line way out there. Also snagging the steak that um, Big Pete was cooking. And this lands on the footprint of Bigfoot. Bigfoot's in this movie, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Bigfoot shows up, uh, uh, gets the steak, and basically is is drawn back to uh, Goofy and Big Pete's camp. Uh, Big Pete sees this and just just like hightails it out of there, um, leaving Max and Goofy alone with Bigfoot. They flee, they run, um, Bigfoot runs through all their stuff, uh, destroys their camera, uh, the keys are left outside, and Goofy and Max are trapped in the car while Bigfoot is, is outside, and through this, um, I mean, and, and because the keys are out there, you know, they're kind of just, they're not going anywhere for a while, and so they try to kind of like let the time pass by, hoping that Bigfoot will leave, but he doesn't. Um, by the, you know, hours later, it's nighttime, and... Max is becoming hungry, and they have um, a can of of alphabet soup on the hood, and Goofy just manages to snatch it off before Bigfoot kind of shows up, um, runs towards the front door, slams his face, has headphones, has a Walkman on top of his head, and he starts kind of cartoon dancing to music. To the Bee Gees? <laughs> to the yeah. Bee Gees, yeah. This was the this was this scene right here, the, uh, the scene where, you know, Max and Goofy are kind of having a 
semi-argument back and forth where Bigfoot is doing Saturday Night Fever in the background. We had just about gained control of ourselves. <laughs> this is where we lost it again. <laughs> I, I, love, I love him like, like, like moving his shoulders and, and poking his finger. <laughs> it's good animation. Um, Goofy tries to, you know, or he, he decides to like to warm up the soup with like the, the cigarette lighter, which which is an interesting. Like, he actually says like, you know, this is good for something. Anything that he doesn't smoke, which I thought wasn't an, an interesting touch. Um, so he kind of like warms it and. Um, so sorry, did he ever smoke in classic cartoons? Just out of curiosity. He, he probably did at because I think everybody smoked at one point, but um, at the same time, I couldn't I couldn't swear by it. Yeah. I can't remember him ever smoking. If it, if he did, it probably would have been a cigar. Exactly. Um, he definitely smokes cigars. Oh, does, does he smoke a cigar in the summer? I think he does. He, he drinks beer in this, in this movie. Oh, that's right. Um, did you guys, do you, Dan, I'm sure you've seen this, the, the one where uh, Donald thinks that Huey, Dewey, and Louie are like smoking cigarettes, so he forces him to smoke a whole carton yes. of cigarettes. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's some child abuse for your ass. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh well, that was that's the whole point of the uh, Donald Huey, Dewey, and Louie cartoons. Is at some point, social services is going to need to get involved. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. I could not believe my eyes. It's like it, it is like violent. Like, up, boy. <laughs> like dude, they're trying to get away. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love violence and degradation. Um. Be that as it may, uh, Goofy starts to laugh to himself, and he's uh, reminiscing on when Max was younger, and he did uh, he kind of spelled out things in alphabet soup, like like simple words. And Max is Max doesn't remember, but he kind of plays into it, like oh, what about ambidextrous or whatever, and they kind of pass words back and forth. Then Goofy says, oh, well, I love you, which is one of the phrases that he would have spelled as kid, and that kind of makes things awkward. But the awkwardness lends itself to them kind of wanting to squash what they've been had kind of going between them, but they can't find the words. And I think at this point, Goofy does like, like the, like he opens the can with the, with the, the teeth. <laughs> like, like <laughs> he, his, 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 he punctures the can with, with his giant goofy teeth, um, which, and Max is like, wow, how, where'd you learn that? Well, your grandfather taught me. You guys did a lot together, didn't you? And Goofy's like, yeah. And so, um, Max, uh, takes the super, just not ready. And, Goofy decides to go to sleep, but Max passes him the empty can of soup and and, and says hi, Dad, which is one of the uh, phrases that he that he said he did as a, as a little kid. So th- by this point, um, they're starting to thaw, or at least Max is starting to thaw towards his dad for a bit. Uh, and because both Bigfoot and Goofy uh, snore awfully, um, he needs a CPAC machine. Uh, <laughs> Max decides to write to Roxanne, and he begins to lie. We're having a great time. We're going to head to the Powerline concert, but then he decides to come forward and says, "I lied." But then he's just so frustrated by the whole situation that he kind of kicks the um, glove compartment. Thank you very much. I was I was reaching for it. I couldn't find it. Um, and the glove part uh, shoots forth the the map, which was kind of like written. The directions were written in pencil. So in some ways, Goofy was asking for this, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but the pencil was still right in front of him, and uh, the glove compartment's light has this this almost like Cave of Wonders esque warm glow <laughs> of destiny. 
Uh, and Max realizes the opportunity he has here, and he wants to do it quickly before Goofy has a chance to wake up. So he quickly uh, erases the directions and goes towards L.A., which is where the, uh, the power line cut is being held. And uh, although Goofy is kind of like open and slumber, you know, slumbering around nonsense about flying to the moon, uh, he goes back to sleep. And, and Max feels incredibly guilty, but he, he did change the map. And this is like a huge turning point in the film. This uh, guilt carries over into the next uh, the next day where they've escaped from Bigfoot and they're eating uh, breakfast and Max is visibly guilty, just uncomfortable. And so Goofy decides, you know what, um, you know, he, he makes a big show of it. Like, you know, he makes him the official. Um, what was the phrase again? <laughs> Net navigator and which way or which way or which I like. Um, and he knights him with the, with a map like like King Arthur, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, he yeah he he gets on top of the uh, the table and does this in front of like the nuns. We're apparently following him the entire movie. Oh, yeah, who knows for the first time, uh, an Elvis impersonator slash possibly Elvis, um, and various patrons of of the diner, and says, you know, I've trust you completely. Just tell me where to go, and it, it will it will follow your navigation from the from the map. And also, we can make as many stops as you want. We can go. We can make the stops that you want to do. And so this leads into a montage of of a, uh, uh, you know, it's it's character development hijinks, but there are also hijinks of Goofy on an out of control uh, uh, jet ski, them changing tires, them at a, at a roller coaster, um, getting sick from junk food. Uh, Max kind of feeling for his dad, so he takes him to like a the house of yarn. <laughs> which Goofy like could not be more excited to run towards. Um, they murder a mime. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a great gag. <laughs> Goofy does like whole like, like like invisible pair of scissors, and then like somehow like a, a, an actual piano just crushes the guy, and like instead of calling the cops, they just like leave. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a, lot, a lot of stuff happens. I mean, uh, they, they go to Carl's butt caverns. Carl. Yeah, Carl's Butt Caverns, which is where a bunch of bats are. Um, <laughs> they go to a ball game, and they end up at uh, uh, a an, like an aquatic themed uh, motel, really, mm-hmm. um, where their room is kind of you know full of like shells and coral. They have a Little Mermaid esque light switch, uh, and then somehow um, Big Pete, uh, who was out in the movie for ten minutes. Uh, shows up again, knows knows that they're there, and kind of like, like plays a prank on them. And Big Pete sees that Max and uh, Goofy are much more friendly and kind of warm towards each other. And so he kind of takes Goofy to his side. Don't buy this buddy buddy act under your thumb. Hey, let's set up the RV in here. And so this gigantic tentacle-like cable that PJ kind of hooks in. And so while Goofy and uh, Big Pete are about to go out to the hot tub, we see later on that Max and PJ uh, – Max has told PJ about him switching the map, uh, which PJ is like, I can't believe you did that. And, like, and Max is like, yeah, I had no, I had no else what to, what to do. This is being spied upon by Big Pete who um, it, did not mean to kind of spy on them, but at the same time is very grateful that he did. He just has this like this classic Disney villain look on his face. Um, so at the hot tub – this is such a great scene uh, – uh, he uh, he and Goofy are, are just chilling, and Pete's like, yeah, you, you guys are getting along really well. Um, no problems, no problems whatsoever, and Goofy's like, not a one. And uh, Big Pete in his speedo is like, 
I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I heard the little mutant telling PJ that he'd switch the map and your head to LA, pal. And Bill Farmer's performance is unreal in this scene. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? And he decides that he's not going to believe Big Pete's, you know, kind of trash talking Max, even though he is telling the truth. He's like, hey, don't, don't, don't take my word for it. Check the map. He's like, I don't have to check the map. You know, Max may not be all that you think a son should be, but he loves me. Hey, my son respects me. And Goofy's like, yeah. And it's like the only time I've seen Goofy kind of, kind of push back on or stand up to to Pete in this series. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to talk about this, right? Yeah. Um, and they they still have their gloves on. We have to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't take them off. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what, what do you guys think about this this uh, this this demonstration of like I guess built trust and also destroyed trust uh, uh, between the characters? It's it's really well done, and I'm a little bit honestly, my mind's a little blown that Goofy is the one bringing it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like that sounds like a joke, but it's not. It's um, Bill Farmer's doing excellent work, as are the animators, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel fairly confident in saying that this is not a way that Goofy has ever been used before no. to tell oh, any yeah. kind of a story, you know? Um, generally speaking, he's the guy that, you know, accidentally winds up on the roof and skis down it. That's not, you know, <laughs> this is not his wheelhouse but they're really for lack of a better word letting him do some acting here mm-hmm. and it's 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 nice it's it's really surprising and well done punctuated by like the really cool lighting uh around mm-hmm. the hot tub so it's, it's 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 almost monochromatic but it's like these kind of blues and stuff and it's not like a mm-hmm. it's like a harsh color but like it just it kind of sets this sort of uneasy mood yeah, the animation did a great job. Did you guys know before Christian? Uh, did you guys notice that Goofy and Max's designs, and also I think Big Pete's, they were actually different in Goof Troop. Um, I I didn't notice this. I had somebody point out to me that like they're I don't want to say humanized, but like this in a Goofy movie, they're a lot more traditional. Like Goofy here oh. looks like he did throughout the decades, but in, mm-hmm. in Goof Troop, they were kind of done a, a little bit more, for lack of a better phrase, humanely. Mm-hmm. Like there was like less black on his face and their eyes are a bit kind of smaller and stuff. And I think that like in this scene where Goofy is so expressive, it works well with the original design that, I'm, that I think um, I'm glad they went back to. I would agree with that. I do think that he was a little bit more anthropomorphized, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the proportions the, in, are more human-like. Yeah, in the cartoon. And he's back to just kind of being a cartoon dog. But it does mean that he's got like his his – He's got a little bit more rubberiness to his expressions, and it works really well for what they're doing here, which is counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, mm-hmm. It, it 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 works. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, going to what you said about Bill Farmer's performance, I there's an old episode of Earth Two Down at the show. I think it's nine oh seven with an interview with Bill Farmer, and I, was, I re-listened to that yesterday, and he brought up how like he like has. People approaching him who like want to do voice acting but don't want to do acting. He says, "No, voice acting is acting. It's just a different way of doing it." And this 
the scene is like a great demonstration of him like doing serious acting um or like I, I, I'm not articulating it very well, but it, you you bring that remind me of that um, clip of the interview. I mean, I mean his performance is like great. Throughout. He's been a fucking farmer. He's been goofy for since before we were born. He is goofy for for all intents and purposes. But yeah, and, and, well, it's also like that. Like you know, he might you know they didn't really change his character, but. His concerns are are much more relatable. Like you know, he just wants to reach out to his son, and he also doesn't want to believe the worst of his son, which kind of set him on that. That is what kind of inspired the entire trip. The the idea that that Max is heading down a, a criminal path. I mean, however, you know, ridiculous that that actually is. That is a fear that he has, and the idea that that he's been lying to him really hurts him. And I think that they they captured that hurt. I mean, I mean. You know what? Because like, like, like this is not you know their big budgeted like you know as you said Lion King or Beauty and the Beast kind of film, but I don't even know what kind of other Disney story that they've told that is like this. This this not only a, a story of fathers and sons, it's just like Star Wars, but like um you know like this sort of this the layers of this kind of relationship and kind of demonstrating them in this way is one thing to do. I'm embarrassed by my dad, but it's another thing to kind of show how you know one's love for their family member can. Leads them to feel hurt in this way. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a it's a very textured presentation of 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 a of a pretty straightforward story. And I, I don't, you know, the older I get, the more impressed I am with with this kind of storytelling. Especially again for a movie that that they could have just tossed off as a director video film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really really strong. Um, and Goofy saunters back to the car just to sit down. He's tempted to check out the map but he's mad at himself for wanting to to to, to check out the map so he kind of like hits the wheel in frustration and then the map kicks out of the gulf apartment accidentally and goofy kind of reacts and looks over at the map but we don't see more than that we cut back to the motel room where uh max and phj are watching watching the powerline pr- performance from the end of the movie <laughs> which I well, well, they, well, today. he's singing he's singing um stand out not eye to eye yes but it's the exact animation <laughs> Uh, pretty much and for that i shall dock 20 points um uh but they're watching it and the door opens and and max like hey dad and then like goofy just looks like his world's been destroyed and he doesn't respond to max um and then he kind of lies down in his waterbed uh with eyes unblinking and that same look transitions to the next day when they're driving uh this is so sad (laughs) (laughs) poor goofy um, no matter how sucky that possum place was, he didn't deserve this. <laughs> no, no. Oh boy. Um, and Max catches on how how down he feels, and so he just wants to make sure that, like, you know, he's he doesn't know what Goofy knows, but he knows that something is wrong. So, uh, uh, at this point, they're heading towards a junction where they need to turn either left or right, and turning right would be the original destination. Turning left would be L.A. And so he says, "All right, Max, let me know what what to do." And this is kind of the moment of truth. Like, do you want to stick to like changing the map, or do you want to go to the original destination? And there's like a fork in the road, and Max is not sure what to kind of lean on. But at the last second, he says, "Just go left." And there's a hard turn left that kind of scrapes their car, and cut back. And Goofy's face is, has, you know, he's he is one hundred percent done. <laughs> Like he's got that Kubrick stare. His eyes are at the top of his head. Yeah. Uh, and um, 
Max can, you know, as all children can when their parents are mad at them, Max, Max can kind of sense that he fucked up. Says, so hey, you want to sing a song? Oh, let's play a game. Uh, man and woman. Walt Disney. And that, that tore it. And so Goofy just pulls the car over and just like, which is at a cliff. Um, rather War Brothers-esque looking cliff, but <laughs> never mind. And uh, it just, just it, like sets himself alone. And um, Max decides, listen, I want to come clean. I, I, I need to tell you something, but Goofy doesn't want to listen. And uh, Max like, well, fine, whatever. So he kind of just sulks back, leans against the car. And then the car just like goes off down the the, the road. Uh, apparently they didn't put the brakes on. Um, all right, whatever. So uh, <laughs> as, as was mentioned before, this is actually really rem- reminiscent to the first episode of Goof Troop in which the car went up and down the road uh, with the brakes and they were chasing after it. Um, and I, I couldn't – I'm not going to say it's clearly them referencing that, but it's it's awfully uh, similar visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make for a, good, a nice bookend. So while they're chasing the car, they're arguing about everything and um, kind of going, you know, back and forth. And and uh, Max is like, you ruined everything. And then, like, uh, Goose is like, you ruined this trip. And he's like, me ruined the trip. And as, as the car just, like, free wheels off the road into several, like, um, just sort of, like. Pillars of rock. It's like, it's like the Grand Canyon. Yeah, exactly. Pillars of rock, like 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 Max reasserted. I never want to go on this stupid vacation. As they're just plumbing towards the the bottom of the of a uh, of the body of water, I lost for words tonight. Uh, <laughs> so they get back on top of the the as they're kind of careening down uh, the river. Um, the, uh, they're arguing more about just how they've been acting throughout this entire trip. And Goofy is like, you know, like, I just wanted to go fishing with my boy. And Max says, I'm not your little boy anymore. I've grown up. I have my own life. This isn't Goof Troop anymore. And uh, Goofy's like, I know that. I just wanted to be a part of your life. You're my son. You're always going to be my son. And that does kind of pause, uh, you know, their argument, which leads into uh, them you know, like in in many ways, uh, when people can't fully articulate their feelings, they express it in a song, uh, which is what <laughs> happens between the two of them. There's this this song titled "Nobody Else But You," um, uh, which I think is a is a nice song. But what but what do you guys think? And what did you guys think about the sort of like um, the sort of like a uh, I don't know falling action from the second act? I mean the um. I want to give like special props to <laughs> angry Goofy. Like that Kubrick stare Goofy is <laughs> amazing. Uh, and again, it's, it's a side of Goofy. We don't ever really get, we never get to see. Um, and it's done really well. It looks great. This whole sequence for me, it's fine, but it really does kind of smack of somebody looking at their watch Going, oh fuck! We gotta, we gotta finish this. <laughs> We're almost out of movie. <laughs> we gotta wrap this yeah. shit up. Um. So, like, on the one hand, it, it feels like you know, again, it's the big end of movie climax, like ten pole scene. But honestly, it's probably for me the least interesting part of the whole movie. Oh, okay, is the you know just because we've seen so much. 
we've been given so much, so many new facets of Goofy <laughs> up to this point. And now we're just kind of back to, you didn't turn on the brake. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like, it, it, you know, the, the save is nice, but other than that, yeah, just, it, it just, it's just a lot of like physical slapstick comedy that it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it, it's very rushed, I thought. And, um, not nearly as interesting as the, as the emotional stuff that we've had up to this point. Hmm. I will say a, a touch that I, like I didn't pick up in the midst of this row, though, I guess things are getting worse and worse. Max and Goofy are actually saving each other's lives. Like, mm-hmm. like, like keep, at one point, like, Goofy, like, pushes Max onto the car roof and, like, Max, like, pulling his father up, like, from the water is, like, it's, like, going down the river. Um, it's, I found it weird that they're in the midst of, like, this row, yet, like, if you look at their, what they're doing, they're, they're actually, like, saving each other. Um, although, that, I mean, it does sort of like flag up the fact that they're going to reconcile. It's not like they're going to have this relationship-ending row. But, um... I'll, I'll kill you! And then, actually, when they start, like, when they finally, like, like, see each other's... Well, to quote the next song, see eye to eye, when they finally see where they're, each other's coming from, they actually have their backs to each other, like, when they're silent, and when the silence is broken, the silence is only broken by the song, which... I will say I think this this song is actually the weakest of the movie. It's it's not bad. It's it's necessary. It's almost. I heard like another video almost described it like a love song, but like between like father and son, it's like they're them like finally like coming together. But um, I don't think it's it's executed as well as the road trip one or the opening one. Um, I did look at the. I don't know the names. But I did notice that. The Powerline songs and like the songs within the movie, they're written by two different teams. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't hate the song. I don't think there's any bad songs in this movie, but this is, in terms of execution, um, my least favorite. But I know it has to carry the emotional weight, so it, it's, yeah. Um, what, what do you think, Donovan? One of the lyrics I noted down, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, uh, yeah, I think one of the lyrics is Max says, though he seems intoxicated, he's just highly animated. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, I would agree that, like, in, in watching it this time, is I, I used to really enjoy this song. And I think that was mainly because the bit where they're kind of in the whirlpool and it kind of go, it kind of swinging around and the lyrics kind of, like, kind of swirl down with the visual of the whirlpool. I really like that. And I think that keeps this, from me, my least favorite um, and again, no bad songs in this, in this movie, but I would say that like it's 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 in the if we have like a minimum four songs in this, in this film, maybe, maybe more. This is in like the lower half, but it's not my least favorite. But I do still like it. Um, oh, okay, I guess maybe the Possum Park song is the worst one, just cause by default. But <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, but no, yeah, you know what's funny is is that like I I maybe because I saw it so many times as a kid, I don't feel the runtime kind of feeling pinched but when i watched on disney plus and saw the runtime just because i was curious and i knew because of the the elongated credits i was like there i I mentioned to you guys before i think we started recording by this point there's like less than 10 minutes left in the movie and that's weird (laughs) oh we we gotta we gotta where's power line we gotta get there (laughs) get our dog asses over to la um uh so yeah no like uh they they reconcile through this song um 
And I also, I'm also wanted to think to myself, you guys, like, you guys are, are kind of on a on a slow ride to death. Are you gonna kind of worry about how you're gonna get out of this? <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's a it's a movie. Um, so we we a, a short time later, he's t- told him about the whole Roxanne thing, and understanding that Max really likes Roxanne, he's like, all right, then let's just get to get to L.A. Um, while he agrees to this, they end up over a waterfall, and Goofy's about to fall to his death. But uh, Max, who has the fishing rod, does the the perfect cast technique and <laughs> manages to save Goofy. Even though, like, I mean, again, cartoon physics rule of rule of laughter or rule of rule of funny, but like like him, you know, like like reeling Goofy up from that height and Goofy's weight. I was like, hey, that doesn't make sense. But also, like, shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like he's, he's he saves his father's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very nice visual when they kind of, like, you know, in the sort of wind of the waterfall, they embrace. And Goofy with a tear in his eye smiles at Max. I, I really enjoy that. Um, and uh, Max is like, well, this has been a fun movie. And, and Goofy's like, it's not over yet. So... We smash cut to L.A., that really cool shot. And because we smash cut, we don't learn how they managed to sneak their way into the uh, like like the the instrument cases for the band. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's, it's well, goofy. Well, 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 bro, we didn't see how they escaped Bigfoot either. I mean, it, I mean, it would have been nice to see, but at the same time, it wasn't totally necessary. So, Bigfoot, I, I just figured they waited until he'd like... Uh, rolled off the car then they then they like ran for the keys i just kind of presume that but like uh this one's just like they just teleported to la (laughs) like the car is busted but but again like you know what are you gonna do um this is this uh if i may this does begin one of the disney renaissance like like best third acts however (laughs) short it may be Uh, (laughs) so they they get to the powerline concert and backstage so they're seeing everything being set up um Max is is uh, briefly awestruck by like the the Hammer Girls that are like walking past towards him. Um, Powerline himself arrives on stage and he's beginning to sing his uh, his iconic number "Eye to Eye" as the girls kind of join him on stage and the, the lights are blaring. Um, we should probably speak real quickly just about his characterization because there is there is there is um, you know decent lore about it unless you guys are unawares. Well, there's definitely a Prince or Michael Jackson a bit about him. Like, I mean, there's a moonwalk and, um, well, he's, 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 he's sort of like spiritually based on those guys. He was initially supposed to be Bobby Brown. Oh, huh. and <laughs> I, mean, I think Dan might have an idea why he wasn't Bobby Brown. At the, at the yeah. Movie. He was having a rough time uh, around then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In 1995, he was arrested for like him and his boys beating the shit out of somebody at a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, I think I think that was kind of our first indication that Bob Brown might not be okay. Mm-hmm. Like it got much worse later on, but that was yeah. He was it was kind of like the downward slide was really picking up speed at that point. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he was ever like like I don't think he rec- ever recorded lines, but the intention was always, int- or at least not I would say always, but like for a while they settled on Bobby Brown. Then when you know he kind of became radioactive, they went with uh, Tevin Campbell, who to this day is, is well respected. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and does a fantastic job uh, at this banger of, of a of a of a of a show stopping sequence. Um, it is very uh, Prince of Michael Jackson. There, there's 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 a little bit of a lot of people here. There's a lot of influence here. Um, it does. It doesn't recall a single. It doesn't like they're. It's not they're. They're pairing a single person, but it's very much. No. Well, like, he has uh, like a sort. Well, he has like a sort of radio. Uh, well, like radioactive man, he has a sort of like nuclear theme about him. Oh yeah, yeah. He has. He has like a yeah. little insignia. Yeah, and, and in Max's room, even like at the beginning, it had like um like the ha- sort of hazard sign, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Like, yeah, so, he also has like a, like a little. He's he's got like a high top with sort of a lightning bolt kind of like freakazoid themed at the at the top of which is it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's funny because again, I when this movie came out, I was older than its target audience. Um, <laughs> so it was like one of those situations where Powerline at the time to me felt very outdated. You know, <laughs> I can see that. Like it's ninety five. Like they're they're emulating artists that are you know were more in their prime at that point four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Powerline felt very outdated at the time to me. It felt like he was like they were emulating artists from four or five years before this movie came out, which is emblematic anyway of you know the animation process taking a long time and of these sorts of movies tending at the time especially to be written and produced by people that were perhaps not as with it <laughs> as you know the 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 Andy Stevensons of the day were not making you know up to the minute groundbreaking cartoons they were they were older people that were remembering the stuff they liked when they were teenagers <laughs> and that that's that's to me that's that's what power i remember thinking to myself this would have been really trendy 4 or 5 years ago guys <laughs> And yet, it and yet. is it is remembered as like, uh, especially for people my generation, a a genuine like 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 musical classic. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I get that. Like 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 I think it's because men, but actually I know it's because millennials have like uh, cornered pop culture in a way. So if you go into like uh, like a lunchbox or a hot topic, or whatever, there's Powerline merch. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a matter of fact. I'm wearing Powerline underwear right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you got any Powerline merch. Uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time, a few years ago, got got me this, um, and um, they they fit nice. But like, but like, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of power. There's like Powerline concert of '95 shirts, it's like that. Like, it's, it's I think it's, it's a big, it's a big like um, like like generational thing specifically. I mean, I, have, I don't, I have no idea if Gen Z's ever seen a goofy movie, but like for millennials, it's very much like this is this is my childhood kind of like, sure. uh, kind of like cultural standpoint. Because when I was a kid, I we, we always just like got up and danced at this bit. It was it was just so much fun. There was a lot of visual gags. There was the music was great. Um, it and it, and it, even though it may have been like a, like four or five years out of date. Like, because it also kind of recalls a little bit of an MC Hammer, not explicitly, but it's a little bit of it. Sure. It's just, it's still good. It's, it's like good. Uh, it, it, it evokes that well. It doesn't come off as like a kind of a lame imitation. Right. Um, there's great, you know, just like kind of key color sequences with all, all reds and blues and stuff. As I mentioned, uh, you know, Max and Gof- Goofy get separated, and like, Max kind of falls down the girls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Goofy, 
funniest shot in the entire film uh, is looking for Max, opens the door, sees one of the backup singers getting ready. She's like, like in her underwear. She's a bigger woman. And she screams this blood-curdling scream to which Goofy does the Goofy gif that people now use where he just kind of like – Doesn't he hold his nose? He, he clutches his nose and he's twing, twirling his, his ears and his eyes roll to the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think, it's, a, I think it's, it's like one of the funniest single shots in all of Disney animation. <laughs> and I think it's because it's coupled with the scream. It's just it's really 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 funny. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That 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 is that is that is an awesome moment. That always that always killed me. It's just to this day still kills me. Um. So the the, the concert's going. The performance is going on, and we go, we go to, to Roxanne and um, every everybody. Uh, Stacy's like in like a Native American headdress for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I'm is sure. That like, is that like promotion for Pocahontas or something? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be odd, but like um, they don't see Max. You know, the song started. And they don't see Max originally, so like you know, I'm sure he'll show up. But like, uh, Roxanne's feeling kind of like sad about it, and Goofy just derps his way into the <laughs> the like kind of like crystal ball that's about to be kind of like electrocuted. Um, I, I imagine in the kind of like you know '90s like you know uh, kid adventure museum sort of like electric ball where you where you touch mm-hmm. it kind of like goes against your fingers kind of thing. Just on a, mm-hmm. on a larger scale, and he and you know you know in true cartoon fashion, he's just like he's shocked to hell. <laughs> <laughs> he survives, but like he explodes. Um, so like uh, this this causes this catches Powerline's attention, who looks confused. But like uh, Max, who's on the rafters uh, after face palming, yells for Goofy to do the perfect cast as a dance, to which he does. So Goofy just kind of like spontaneously does the perfect cast, and then moonwalks towards the side. Uh, Powerline loves this, so they begin to <laughs> dance in sequence. Good um, the the security guard uh, spies Max and jumps after him, but falls off the rafters. I'm sure he's fine. Um, <laughs> Max straight up murdered that security guard. <laughs> he, he falls into the, like, the one of the screens and like yeah, the like, yeah, I, I think he, yeah, he, I think he explodes. <laughs> um. So Max safely uh, slides into view between Powerline and Goofy, and he starts dancing. They're, they're now all dancing with uh, Goofy and Max are now dancing with Powerline and the backup dancers. Um, this is seen back at home. Uh, Roxanne uh, smiles as as she sees uh, on their screen Goofy and, and Max. Uh, PJ and Pete see this. Uh, Big Pete spits his beer all over the screen. <laughs> Uh, in utter disbelief, as I imagine you would, uh, as the as the the bigger woman uh, joins this, joins the the performance, everything just goes crazy. Like 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 the lights go all over the place. Like like they're kind of every single shot kind of just is shot with different dance moves. We see the kids dancing back at home. Stacy and uh, Polly Shore have a moment, um, and it just it, like 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 the it, the whole thing just crescendos into this this big 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 note. Of uh, that kind of zooms out of Powerline's uh, uvula as uh, eye to eye finishes, and it's difficult talking on a podcast about a visual and audio performance. But uh, <laughs> if nobody else has seen it, in my opinion, it still holds up. I think it's it's really super cool, <laughs> dope. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, after that uh, success and miraculous adventure. 
uh, Max is like, well, the right thing to do is to still tell Roxanne the truth. So we cut back to uh, them barely driving back home because uh, the, the car is beat to hell. And um, Max is afraid that uh, she'll never, you know, Roxanne, Roxanne won't speak to him again. And Goofy's like, well, that's true. Then maybe she's not the one. And he says, that's what I'm afraid of. So he goes back to her home, is greeted by her father in a towel. Um, but, you know, Roxanne shows up and she's like, I saw you on stage. You were wonderful. And he's like, yes, but I want to tell you the truth. My dad does not know Powerline. Um, he, we, we never even met him before then. I lied to you. And she's like, but why would you lie to me? It's because I couldn't make make it to the party and I wanted you to like me. Oh, that's too bad because I already liked you, Max. Um, which, which, which is kind of like them, kind of her... Um, deciding to forget about it. <laughs> Either she forgets them very quickly or she just doesn't really uh, mind the story because they both confess that they like each other. So um, she's like, hey, since we both like each other, do you want to do something tonight? And he's like, oh, I'd love to, but I got to do something with my dad. I promise it's the truth, maybe tomorrow. And um, and uh, so she throws out her hand to shake uh, he takes the opportunity to uh, kiss her, like a, a, a brief peck on the lips, and they both laugh nervously. He does the goofy laugh um, for, I think, the third time in the movie. Um, but she smiles, and then she sees Goofy you know, um, out near the sidewalk trying to fix the car. The car explodes, <laughs> shooting him to the sky, and he does the classic Goofy yelp, the yodel yelp, falls onto the roof, which crashes right through. And then introduces himself. And uh, as we kind of zoom out, uh, Max says, Roxanne, I would like you to meet my dad. Uh, and we kind of like uh, the camera pulls up to the sky. And that is the epic saga known as a Goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was epic. <laughs> Indeed. So watching this from the perspective of a man in his 40s. <laughs> In 2023, <laughs> we're watching like you know again we're we're wrapping things up and we're having our big heart to heart and all I can see is you know Goofy kind of talking to his son and saying you know Max you're growing up and I'm I'm trying to adjust to that and I understand that there are things that you know things that need to happen but I'm still your dad you'll always be my son now come on. Let's go gaslight your girlfriend. <laughs> like, as men. As, as a family. <laughs> like, it's, again, it, this was not an unusual way to go about doing things in 1995 in your entertainment. And I get that. I understand that. But I'm just watching it now. Oh, and it's just it's 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 so hard to turn that part of my brain off. <laughs> let's commit to this lie. Let's commit to this. Like, yeah. you know, live on this impossible a, promise. A, a, a relationship built on a on a foundation of lies. <laughs> you, need to, you need to keep. You need to keep going with it. <laughs> well, I see no problem with this. <laughs> it worked in Latin. Yeah, true. <laughs> Until it didn't. That's a good point. <laughs> that's, that's a, at least, you know, he did. In fact, he did fess up at the end. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
does that does that um does that does that put some weight on weight on uh the viewing experience? No. No, it's 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 a goofy movie, Donovan. Um <laughs> <laughs> also called a goofy movie. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean it's it is what it is. It's one of those things that you know, okay. I host a podcast where we say it's of its time a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and that's kind of what that moment is for me. Like I watch it now and honestly, I get a little creeped out by it. Like goofy kind of letting Max kind of see this insane plan through. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, It's a good thing that Powerline was so cool with these people just jumping up on his stage and taking over, you know, <laughs> I know. Uh... <laughs> Well, once you watch, once you watch uh, uh, the Goofu set by the door, you'll you'll learn the original in this movie, <laughs> which is far darker. I bet. Uh, I bet. Uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Oh man! Or, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, I don't want to separate anybody's toes, but do you have any final thoughts on either the scene or would you want to summarize the film? I mean. I don't know about that scene specifically other than what I've already said. Yeah. It's a fun scene. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they have their big dance and then he goes back home and he's a hero and he confesses his love and he gets the girl and Goofy explodes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of that. <laughs> it's that kind of movie. Um, but the movie as a whole is surprisingly mature. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, for especially for 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 its time and and, and where it kind of sprung out of, it's not the benchmark of twenty first century comedic epicness that I thought it was on that one very specific night. But <laughs> there are some legit funny scenes in it, and um, yeah, I, I, I had fun watching it. I'm glad I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, this is, this is an unusual and yet really touching Disney film. Um, like it's more cartoony and than the films coming out of the era, but and cheap and cheaper. And yet there was a lot of love and effort put into it by, well, not just the, the voice actors, but like the, even though like this was there's like a lot in this, a lot of like genuinely funny and heartfelt moments and really good animation was like even just stuff like the skateboarders and the opening song number um mm. and like the the action sequences and even though it is like more mature and like feel than like some of the other disney films at the time it still does feel like it part of the renaissance because it has the well the, obviously the disney happy ending and optimism but it is like like we were talking about donovan at the end of the tarzan review it's all about identity like all the other disney renaissance films like, um, kind of. I think that I think that the theme of like you know uh, a boy growing up, but but still, and and because of a boy growing up, like his, his relationship with his father changes. I think that's more of a theme. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, the identity theme uh, trend that they were doing in the nineties is, is also applicable here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what what else I could add, but what what, what do you have to say about this film? I haven't said already. I. 
Um, it's funny because I, 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 I started watching again for the first time in a very, very long time, uh, several months back, and something happened where I, had, I didn't get too far into it. Like by the time they reached the possum place, I had to kind of stop. So when I got back into it for this review, um, it was still held in place. I just had to start over. Um, this has always been a childhood favorite of mine. Um, and it's one of those things like, you know, the funny thing with millennial culture is that like we, we sure do love our nostalgia. So learning that so many people love the same thing that you liked as a kid is is always fun. Um, and we, we also have a tendency to overrate a lot of stuff, um, as I'm seeing that now with, with younger generations and how much I hate it on Twitter. But in regards to this – How dare you put rocket power above um, – what, what was the other question? Oh, God. Literally anything. Seriously. Even as <laughs> even when I was younger, I knew that show sucked. It's like rocket power was, was, was peak. Uh, get off the internet. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I feel like um, this movie is, is really, really very good. Like, it's not a perfect film, and I say that because I uh, there's no real weaknesses, and I think that has a lot of really high strengths, but I think that, like, in regards to what they were doing at the time, like, I, I, think, I think Aladdin all around is a, a much stronger film than this, but none of those films, you know, lack of, of being as good as Aladdin is like, uh, you know, due to any sort of lack of effort or what have you. I think that like thematically is strong. I think that like um, animation is really strong. And I personally am a big fan of whether it's franchises or IP or just like following characters as they kind of like get older and develop. And I don't really think back to Goof Troop quite a bit. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I, I watched it as a kid. I didn't really watch it much as much as I was older. And I was rewatching it for this. I actually kind of find it a little bit of an annoying. Like a lot of it was kind of hinging on uh, Big Peak acting crazy and stuff, and it was a little over animated. So it wasn't like that, that. That doesn't really play play into my affection for this. But I actually also at the same time think that like it's cool that this movie never had any sort of goof troop flashbacks or images of younger Max to kind of like show the audience where they used to be it just mm-hmm. you just kind of instinctively know it you know max is an older son so he has this different reaction i think that makes the tension stronger and also where they both and where they the two of them end up with each other mm-hmm. i think that the you know the, the the young love story between him and roxanne is actually very well done i 100 percent agree with dan about the dream sequence in regards to how she's rendered mm-hmm. um like just just kind of objectively speaking, it's, it's like a little less of that, but still really cool. But overall, I like I like how she is a kid herself. She's not this sort of like, you know, like um, va va voom kind of character. You know, this 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 like furry bait character basically. As you know, she's she's it's, it's actually kind of like the uh, the Robin Hood romance where you know. They just, they just really liked each other and I like how believable it was. It, it's like the like filmmakers had sympathy for all the characters and they didn't like, you know, just kind of render them to be just complete tropes. Um, the music is terrific. Uh, Powerline really delivers with uh, Tevin Campbell uh, singing. And I think the, the max sequence and the Powerline performance at the end are incredibly memorable. Um, and I think that uh, it's also really, really funny. Um uh, you know, in an era where the humor was good, but also there was a lot of drama and romance in these, in these films, the humor here is generally generally solid. I think that like uh, we talked about the, the whole possum thing. I kind of like how there's a little throwaway edgy edgy stuff. You know, like um, my life's a living hello or whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I, honestly, like, I try to have a strong grasp on what n- nostalgia does to my brain to where, like, I don't know if this w- is, like, if I were to give this a perfect score, I would have to, like, like argue in a court of law, like, why this is, like, one of <laughs> Disney's all-time greatest films. But emotionally, I am there. Emotionally, this is one of my all-time favorites, and, I, and that's, that's, that's for a reason. And I think it just, I don't know, it just feels realer as a story. Uh, and I wish that Disney did more of this. I wish Disney did more like stories about their their original Disney characters, mm-hmm. kind of just doing stuff. Because yeah. it's a really nice story that, that it's a really easy story they can do, especially when you see the old Goofy stuff, where Max was Goofy Junior as a baby, and then you go to a Goof Troop, and then you go here. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But that, you know, we see we see Jason Marsden's Max in this the sequel, extremely Goofy movie. And I know that there's like a there's like a Christmas special where Max is an adult. And Ooh. so there, there's a through line for these characters that, that you can track That's that I just adore. But I think with this, there's so much good to this film that um, I, I can't help but love and have affection for it. And um, because it has a special place in a lot of people's heart of my, my generation, I think that helps amplify um, it as one of my favorite Disney movies um, even more so than, than it does on its own. I'm just thinking about something. Well, I mean – I think both of you have seen more goofy stuff than me, and I don't, I don't know to what extent you would say experts, but is this like Goofy's like finest hour, or, like defy or like best portrayal? You think? I'd say so. Because thinking about this yesterday, I was wondering: it, is this basically this is a very different story I'm about to mention? Is this Goofy the Killing Joke? Without <laughs> 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 the. <laughs> He comes to Max with it, without, without the controversies. About you, about but... me. We're going to kill each other, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, in all likelihood, yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily on purpose, but yeah, that's probably how this ends. I mean, I, for me, I don't think you can you can do better than like the the classic golden age like how to instructional films. How to, you know, how to ski, how to work out. Like, I don't remember what most of them are called, but right, right, right. those are, like, legitimately funny movies. Um, But this is really good. And, like, Don, to your point, it's, there's, like, it's not, you know, it's not a lesser experience to enjoy something because it reminds you of how great it was to be eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that's a completely valid way to enjoy a thing. The fact that this movie has more going on than that is great, you know, so fucking own it. Right. Um, You know, is it the best movie that has ever been made? No, I don't think it is. But I understand wanting to, you know, give it five out of five stars and, you know, not necessarily have to drag yourself before pop culture court to defend yourself <laughs> you know um it's okay to love a movie because you loved it when you were a kid but it's also true that there's a lot of good stuff going on here and i think that's that's wonderful and it's, it's also good to, to return to a film that you enjoyed as a kid and and still either enjoy it as just as much if not better um <laughs> it's way worse when the, when the when the when you go to a film that you used to love and can't stand to watch it now like rush hour so yeah. this one's oh. on the on the better part of on the better part of nostalgia yeah rush hour is tough man 
I, I was I was stunned when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, that used to be one of my favorite movies, and I can't say that in public anymore. I used to, I mean, again, watching it when, it, like, whenever like ninety five, ninety six, whenever it came out, thinking it was hilarious, and I watch it now, and it's like, oh my god, these characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just stick to, to, to Jackie Chan's Johnny. Why? Stuff. Why is he doing this to himself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not gonna hold up. Rush is my least favorite Disney film. <laughs> um, before we get to the 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 last, so there are two things we should address. Well, obviously, is that a director video sequel? Um, have I have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yes, I have, and I actually quite quite enjoy that. Um, I've not okay. seen it as much as the, the the original one, but I've seen it at least once or twice, and it's been a long time. But like, uh. I, I mean, and I think that like it's it's probably lesser than this, but I did enjoy that. I, I can say it's it's um, it's I'd be interested in seeing that again um, now that I've seen, rewatched this. Okay, maybe in the original. Would you characterize it as? Oh, go, go ahead, Dan. I was going to ask Donovan if, if if you would characterize it as extremely goofy. Uh. Well, the only reason they say it is because there's like extreme sports and skateboarding and stuff. Yeah. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sure, why not? See, see, I think it's actually t- really tamer than this film. On the, on the pole. Yeah. There's, no, there's no insane <laughs> musical numbers in it. Uh, actually, there is. <laughs> well, I mean, he has that hippie dream, but what? there's no, like, are there any songs in it? Yeah, they, they, they have a, they, disco is a theme of that. So I know that, I know that the movie ends with a musical number, but, like, I mean, it's not as extravagant, it's not as, extravagant as this, but, like, I, I'd say it still counts as a musical number. But then again, I mean, I'm not seeing it in forever, so I don't, maybe I'm misremembering okay. it. I saw it several years ago. It, like, I was on Netflix looking for something to watch, and I was in the mood for a goofy movie, but I thought I, I couldn't find it or wasn't there, but an extremely goofy movie was available, so I watched that and deeply regretted it. Oh. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know if it was... I was just comparing it to, to Goofy Movie or Memories of It, but I, I remember not liking it, but maybe I need to reassess it. it. It's far more comedic than this. Like It has its, like, you know, develop character moments, but, like, that one's far more – it's not trying to be, like, the big character drama that this is by comparison. I, I do remember that. He's because Max is in college for those who haven't seen it. So, so mm-hmm. they actually kind of redo the whole like you know my dad's embarrassing. It's basically like a um, Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yeah. Um, also, before Atlanta, this film I'm, I'm sure there are other references, but th- this film was actually references a few times in the Ducktales reboot. Um, Dan, have you seen that? Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where Dewey and his mom are listening to Stand Out while flying a plane together. And in a season three episode where Goofy shows up, he actually meets up with Donald. And he shows him a photo reel, which includes animated shorts from the movie, as well as Max and Roxanne at their prom. Nice. That's oh, awesome. I don't remember that one. Yeah. yeah it, 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 it's actually the episode called Quack Pack. It's like involves um, uh, Urkel's actor. What's his name? Julia Julia White. Um, it's like a setup of like '90s TV. Let me. I I found the image. Let me send it over. One sec. Did you, were you going to mention um, House of Mouse? Uh no. Why don't you bring that up? Uh, House of Mouse was a cartoon in which like the continuity of the Disney films kind of affected a sort of like how it should have ended esque quality, where all like the Disney heroes and villains just like exist and show up at a restaurant together. Um, 
I, and I didn't watch it all the time, but I, I remember seeing some of it. And there is one episode where Max is where there with Roxanne on a date, and like hijinks ensue. But like, like Roxanne definitely shows up in that in that one. But like uh, in the Christmas special, I referenced where Max was an adult. Roxanne wasn't with him, so oh. I'm not sure how that's meant to end up. But she, she wasn't in the extremely, extremely goofy movie. Oh, that's Oh, they got uh, Goofy and his like goof troop, like bow tie look. I'm noticing. Yeah, Max's power line in that night. That's nice. Yeah. Um, okay, Donovan, tell us about um, what was it? The goof who sat on the corner. Goof who sat by the door. By the door, excuse me. Uh, well, Dan has not seen it, so I don't want to get too much into it because he needs to see that. Like, unless he has to be up for work tomorrow, I, I would pay him to see it tonight. Because um, <laughs> I think that it's like the most brilliant episode of television i've ever watched um but uh atlanta which is a show that re- that recently ended uh right after its fourth season uh last year late last year uh created by donald glover the goof who sat by the door is one of their super experimental like crazy episodes where in which you know the show stars like like donald glover and brian tyree henry and like keith stanfield and zazie beats none of them show up in this episode <laughs> Uh, they have nothing to do with this episode. All the episode was directed by Donald Glover, and it tells the tale of um, Disney animator, a black Disney animator, Disney's first major black CEO in 1995, named Thomas Washington, and how the events of the LA riots strove him to uh, inspired him to make uh, Disney's blackest film, which ended up being a goofy movie. <laughs> and this is done via documentary style this is not some sort of like wacky sitcom thing it's done like the goof who set by the door is the name of the documentary which chronicles uh the ultimately tragic tale of thomas washington it is absolutely incredible it is played three million percent straight and um one of the quotes which i think applies to the entire thing is that it is, uh, depending on how you see it, it, is either the funniest thing or the saddest thing you'll ever watch. Because even though um, the historical accuracy of it is definitely eyebrow-raising, um, <laughs> there are some real things uh, from history that are that are applied to it. Um, like, uh, what is the... Uh, Art Babbitt, mm-hmm. who was um, the person who uh, designed Goofy, had quoted, and in, in, I think it was some sort of like book about how he saw Goofy and the, his descriptions of Goofy are very much a sort of caricature of like black people back in the day. And that's a real, that is a real quote. Yeah, and they talk is. about this animator seeing this and kind of like thinking about Goofy and they're kind of using our work to kind of like relate Goofy to the black experience. Um, wanting to have question, Goofy question to Mickey, why is he have Pluto on, on, on a leash and stuff like that. And like some broad stuff there. It's like both really, really like deep, deep thought provoking provocative stuff you have you have actual celebrities talking about what it was like in the 90s like sinbad and brian mcknight and such and it's also like truly hilarious uh and i think that like your miles may vary depending on on who you are because i think that a lot of my a lot of my friends who who i recommended it to like 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 full-throatedly like yeah this is this is like his new um this is america music video i mean it's, def- it's definitely social co- you know it has social commentary but it's also really really funny um and i don't want to say too much but like 
I think that like uh, everyone who's even mildly curious about anything, whether, whether it's Donald Glover or Disney or a goofy movie, you owe it to yourself to watch it. It's about 35 minutes long. Um, and you can see it on Amazon. You can see it on Hulu. Um, I think on, on iTunes or whatever. Uh, please, 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 please watch it. Christian, you saw it, right? Yeah. Um, and I went in not knowing what to expect at all. Cause I've never <laughs> seen Atlanta before. So I the inkling that it was a comedy, but the, this is like, 99.9% straight. There's only one or two. Or then if you, if you could show this to somebody and how, if they didn't know who actually made the film, you, they think it was real apart from maybe one touch towards the end. Um, which I won't, <laughs> I, won't, I won't reveal. Did you like it? Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's and, you know just to kind of just kind of like finalize on that bit, like like it it has become a meme in the last decade about how black a goofy movie is because you have the Tevin Campbell uh, uh, voicing Powerline, who's who who just evokes a very visibly obvious like like '90s era you know R and B pop star. You got you know the sort of like um, father and son dynamic in terms of like you know respect or or love and care which, which is which is rather relatable it's kind of the early 90s aesthetic um they like like the music the moonwalking the dance so it's just one of those it's one of those things that a lot of it's like seeing you know it's it's like a lot of black audiences will will see things and either relate to them or just enjoy them on that kind of like very extra special level like you know i know leonard nimoy has talked about um like viewers uh, writing to him, feeling you know because Spock was half Vulcan, you know, and there are people of color and kind of related to him. You've got like anime fans seeing that Piccolo is black and stuff. You got um, viewers of the DC anime viewers um, being positive that Lex Luthor is black um, and not knowing what race Clancy Brown was. So this is kind of this is a, a mimetic commentary on that and kind of using a sort of generationally understood. Uh, uh, view of, of a goofy movie and taking it to a an incredibly provocative uh uh extent um and so i hope everyone who's listens to this, ep- this special episode of uh, part of your world checks that out and uh lets us know what they think on the forums cool um is there anything else we should bring up before scoring this out of five i can't wait for the live action remake <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Who's playing Goofy in live action? Oh my god! Uh, uh, Harry? I don't know. Uh, Tracy Morgan? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> oh man! Oh Will boy! Smith again with J- with uh, J- um, Jaden oh. as Max? Oh hell no! <laughs> oh oh oh! I should say uh, just real quick, like I I have I talked to I've uh, talked to Jason Marston about this. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in 2019. This is like right before the pandemic. Uh, at Dragon Con. Um, oh, go ahead. I think I know what you're going to talk about. Well, I mean, like it, it was. It wasn't much. He was having kind of a small thing. Oh. Um, and uh, he actually lives in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, which is which is like you know less than an hour from where I live, which I didn't know about. And yeah, he talked about. He, he is apparently really good friends with Bill Farmer because he was in high school mm-hmm. when he did this. And he says that Bill Farmer taught him a lot of things about voice acting and they're, they're friends to this day. And, um, you know, he really, you know, he has enjoyed people coming to this after so many years. Cause this is one of his first major voice acting works. Mm-hmm. He talked a little bit about this. And he also talked a little bit about, um, uh, voicing, uh, Richie Foley and static shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, I mean, needless to say, uh, he's a super cool guy. 
cool. I imagine it's nice to not be asked about Robin all the time. Oh, because oh yeah, he was using that um, that Cape Crusade. What was that thing? Um, you're talking about that like uh, did he do like a like a live action Batman thing? Uh, Jason Marsden. Yeah. Wasn't he in Teen Titans? No, that was. Um, that was what's his name? Um, Scott Seth, Menville. Scott, Scott Menville. Oh, I, I, there's no reason for it, but for some reason I actually always get those two confused. There's no reason for it, but I absolutely do. Were they both in um, Boy Meets World? Jason Marsden was. Yeah, he was. Maybe. Yep. He was also a young exactly. Superman in the in the animated series. Young Batman, yeah. I should say. I mean. Scott, I, I, I think I, I think I know your line of thinking. Scott Menville was in the Wonder Years. Yes, he was. He was like, I forget the like, like I don't know. He had a do, doofy name, but he was the older brother's friend who went who went off to Nam. Right. Uh. Anyway, he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Hmm. What I thought you were mentioning is that con- there's a convention where Bill Farmer and um. And uh, he they, they resang the on the open road scene with like the I think with the full cast. Oh, I read about that. I read that that, that like they kind I think of it's on YouTube actually. They did that like without like like major rehearsal, which is really cool. Because like he doesn't sing this parts in in this movie. I don't know if Jason Marsden can sing, but I, he, but like he, was a... he can Well, according to Bill Farmer, you can. But Aaron Lore voiced him in this one. No, the you you it's it's a good comp. It's a good um match. It's a good matchup. You you. He sounds enough like Jason Marsden that you could think it's him. Yeah, they did, they did a good job about that. And I don't know if when the last time they've done like you know uh, voices that that have different singer voices. I did it in Aladdin and Lion King. I think I'm trying to think of other examples, but but but, but they'll just get us down a rabbit hole. Um, so out, out of five, uh, Dan, what are you scoring the Goofy movie? Uh, good point for me. Do we do half stars or just full numbers? I prefer full numbers, but I've I've, okay. I've got I've gotten tired with arguing with my sister about it. So that's fair. <laughs> Fine, that's fair. Because like what I want to give it is a three point five. Based on that, I would give it a solid, a very strong three. Um, it, it's it's a better. It's it's a much better than average. Like not tentpole Disney release, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the story is is surprisingly adult ish. I mean, adult's not exactly the right word, but it's very mature. <laughs> we still have um, Carlsbad Canyon. Yeah, well, there's uh, or Carlsbad Cabins. There is um, the music is good. The animation is is excellent. Mm-hmm. Much much better than you would expect for a movie like this and again if if nothing else the the possum park scene is worth the price of admission almost all by itself it's just demented <laughs> it's just so fucking demented <laughs> like i don't know who storyboarded this that particular sequence but i hope they went on to bigger and better things because they earned it Um, Donovan. Oh boy. Uh, I think what my, the, the thing that leaves in my brain with this movie is like, they, they had no reason to go as hard as they did on this. Um, mm. 
but I want I want to be like you know like like straightforward and not just too indulgent. And I th- and I feel I have been throughout my time on this on this podcast. So like emotionally, this is a five. I, emotionally, it's a five. Like like it's it's like top three Disney animated Disney films, um, alongside you know like Aladdin, The Incredibles, and um, Turning Red because I don't really know how to differentiate from Pixar. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's more. It's closer to a four point five, and because of the rules, I'll give this. A, I'll give this a super high, strong, um, idealized four. Um, <laughs> in terms of the films that we that I've been on for, this is my second favorite that we've done. Um, like, like, like personal favorite, but yeah, I'll give, I'll give it like a mega strong four out of five. And now, um, eye to eye, it's been stuck in my head, and I'm glad for it because when I woke up this morning, Goof Troop's theme song was stuck in my head, and that's a good song, but that is an earworm. So, <laughs> wonderful aural sensations all around. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm also going to give it a very strong four. It's not, I really like it, and I pretend even more as an adult, but it, it's not quite, it's not the first Disney film I reach for, but it's. But it's a fun film. I don't have a long list of these, but this is my favorite road trip film. And actually, the last time I saw it before rewatching it for this is actually I went on a road trip to Toronto the other year. I like, went by myself, and on the way back, about halfway through, my phone died, so I had to rely. I was like relying entirely on GPS to get home, so I had to rely on the map for the first time. So it took me a lot longer, and watching this after that really long trip was the perfect thing. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot more a lot more chaotic than my trip in comparison so schadenfreude hey that's the ticket I'll be right back my little possum pal <sighs> my life's a living hello little buddy who's your favorite possum don't touch me Oh, why such a long face? You're so sad. <laughs> I know. You need a big hug from Lester. Don't even think about it. See? Now you feel all good inside. Beat it, doofus. So, Dan, what, where else can people find you? Well, at the moment, most of my podcasting... Um, Time is spent on Channel 37's Midnight Movie Show, which is a kind of a panel discussion of perhaps less idealized movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, B-movies, cult movies, midnight movies, you know, just kind of the the weird stuff that um, tends to fall under, you know, fall fall between the cracks. Um, it's It's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it. It comes out every couple of weeks. So far, haven't missed a, <laughs> haven't missed, haven't missed a, uh, an upload yet, but uh, we've come super close lately. So, <laughs> do you guys uh, load those up and then kind of uh, release them out, or do you like do them every two weeks? We, uh, well, we started loading them up, and then, as you know, life happens. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and now we're kind of at the point where it's like, okay, guys, we got to do this on Sunday so I can get this out on Friday. <laughs> God dang. So. But yeah, we definitely start out uh, loaded up like you know four or five in advance. That's how Q and A started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we never got back to it. <laughs> and, and I really enjoy your show. I should say, but Thank I, you. I, I do too. especially love the cats of you. 
Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still listening to that. Yeah, but the moment, the moment that, that Mike tweeted out, I knew instantly that that was Will's idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Ackerman! Ackerman! <laughs> Damn you. Yeah. But I need to check out some of the films you covered also, and, and I need to rewatch high, um, Rock and Roll High School because I had seen that before you covered it. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the yeah that's one of the really good ones. We're, we're super happy with the one you guys did that was with the Century Rock Rock and you and Bow. I thought that was a really cool review. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, uh, anything else or just that? At the moment, it's just that. Um, with Doctor Who coming back, there's a very not zero chance of bigger on the inside kind of getting dusted off. Woo! But, yeah, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Again, it's really a lot of it has to do with just time and and energy and all the. I'm, other I'm not going to include this on the air, but considering how much fun you're having with um, Channel Thirty Seven, I don't blame you for not returning to um, season two of Star Trek. Yeah. Um. Again, that or, or even Jodie Whittaker. But yeah. Sorry. Again, uh, these things these they're not planned. Um. They're not. You know, it's just a kind of a case of like we both just kind of ran out of at the same time um the idea is that we'll definitely the idea is that we're going back to it at some point in fact there might be a tng in the can i don't know off the top of my head it's been that long but um we definitely hope to get to it eventually okay donovan anything you want to promote well, there's the uh, the box standard uh, vanilla tasting questions. We don't have answers. Uh, <laughs> oh, the... don't do yourself down. <laughs> no, that's um, it's actually kind of funny. It's about, it turns out like, scheduling because, like, I think we were doing fairly well this year, and then I just started traveling to all these different cons from like July to last month. So, like, our Oof. output became like once a month, and uh, just because we, we actually so, so we actually recorded an episode um, this week, and I need to edit it. It'll probably be out tomorrow. Um, that is about, uh, you know, my, myself, Harrison Chute, who's been on this podcast by now. Um, you find us at QNoAnswers.com, talking about, you know, media, politics, the stuff that he and I are into. Um, that is our main podcast. I uh, write content for DC.com. There's actually a, a piece coming up uh, pretty soon. And you can find me on on, on X. Going to give it to you. At <laughs> <Dono> DMG1. <laughs> Because yeah, that name's gonna stick. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. For for now, because I'm I'm, I'm this close to leaving. Because because like you know, you know, I guess spoilers are a thing of the fast. So everybody just wants to spoil everything that they that ever comes out. So. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me for this one. Thanks, Donovan, for pushing me to re- to review this one. Oh, that, I, I didn't push you too hard. I I, I think I think you said. Oh, okay, you okay, generally cast. nudging me then. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for agreeing. Thank you for agreeing. It was, yeah. it was wonderful. Well, thank you for uh, uh, bringing Dan on. Thank you, Dan, for coming. I, I, was, I, well, I won't talk to you for a very long time. It was, I, it was a pleasure. It's absolutely mutual. Um, thank you very much. It's been, this, was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah.